Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Supernatural, The Crossroads. I am your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me today is Ryan Denton. Best song to open the show ever. Right? And Michael Flores. Hello. Now, this is a great song, but unfortunately, it is for a sad moment. Spoilers for anybody who has not seen the show. Today, we're talking about Season 12, Episode 22, There's Something About Mary, and we say goodbye to a fan favorite, (laughs) a recent fan favorite, Eileen, in this episode. I don't know where she's going. Except for six feet under. Should see Ryan dancing right now. He is dead. Uh, All right, don't say. All right, Jesus Christ. No no need to be like malicious. I know, right? Being malicious, I don't care. Now, if Claire would die in the next episode, it'd be the greatest. That'd be sadistic, like (laughs) sadistic joy coming from you at that point. Oh yeah, I would. I'd come in with the biggest smile. Okay. Not the only biggest. Anyway. (laughs) You'd have a boner. Let's get real. Yeah. Murder boner. (laughs) Actually, shouldn't we have played this song for the British Men of Letters, dude? They got shot through the heart. Oh. Oh. And that's why Eileen is dead now. Because she broke his heart? Yep. With a bullet. Oh, God. Anyway, guys, today we're talking about Eileen's death, the British Men of Letters playing all their cards and taking out the hunters one by one. Mary Winchester's unfortunate and forced turn to the dark side and all the stuff ratcheting up to the end of season 12 coming up in just a week, not even four days. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Four days. Four days. When when the fuck did that happen? Four days left in season 12. And then we go into nothing. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. Yeah. We're going to say it. Although we do have a lot of plans for that, you guys can check that out over at RainmanDigitalMedia.com. We've got a little bit of a cheat sheet for the plans for the summer, as far as Helatus goes, both for regular listeners and people who take part in the Patreon. There's a little bit of an upcoming list of things to come, so we're not going to leave you completely abandoned throughout the summer. But this episode, first, had it was a lot of different stuff. We have been talking about Season 12 having a lot of different pieces in the air a lot of mm-hmm. different spinning plates kind of bringing it all together for a explosive finale and it really did kind of start in this episode very first thing we see somebody dies that's a pretty hardcore way to start the episode right uh, it, i mean that's right off the bat i'm like oh well okay is that oh it is eileen and then i was like oh it's a shift dang. in tone it's a yeah. much darker tone for supernatural oh, yeah. for a I would say not just this season, but in a long time, it hasn't really been this ominous. Yes, we had other greater forces at play that kind of made it feel apocalyptic, Mm -hmm. but 
this is, you know, human on human violence. And that kind of has its own merits of what we can expect and what kind of shocks us more or disturbs us more. And I think this is, we've seen the British Mental Letters start this with the death of Davies, but this is really where it kind of takes place and this in, is, in the forefront. This is, we're hitting the gas. Yep, yeah. This is full speed ahead towards the finale. And this is very unfamiliar territory, as you were mentioning, Thomas. And, you know, it can't be more the same. Meaning, if we are going full on full human on human violence, there, then there needs to be a shift, not just in, in writing, but there has to be a, a tonal shift as well. And that's one thing that I really liked that the director did this week, along with the writers. Uh, they made sure there was a obvious shift in tone. Everything changed mm-hmm. down from the shots to the writing to the even the, the underscore as well. Right. You so, noticed that? Yeah, yeah. It, it was cool. I actually liked what they did. I did, too. I thought it worked well. I don't think it's necessarily something everyone will pick up on consciously. And we'll get into that as we discuss. But it is something very subtle that does kind of mess with your head in a way, which is appropriate for the content of this episode. Absolutely. But like you said, there's a big shift in tone. They have to change a lot of things. And it kind of makes sense. This is the 12th year. You need to mix it up going into the next season and change the stakes. It's not the same apocalyptic scenario. We can overcome this. It has to be more than that or at least different. So we're going to get into that a bit. You want to say something before we switch? I'm just saying that I wish that these episodes they're delivering the last three weeks, I wish we would have got more of this all season. You know, I I think it would have made a lot of people a lot more happier. Yeah, there there would have been less, you know, I I don't want to use the word outcry. Negativity. 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 We can say that. I mean, it is true. We've had a lot of negativity this season for a bunch of different reasons. And again, we'll get into this during the discussion. But this kind of right here shows us what was waiting in the wings mm-hmm. for some of these bigger plot stories, primarily the British Mental Letters. They kind of got sidelined, and I think that's really unfortunate, but there's a lot of different writing decisions. It was very much a transitionary season, so we got to take some stuff with a grain of salt. Right. But, but we've talked before, some things could have been improved on, but we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. First, guys, as always, we've got some news. One that actually centers around us, which is pretty exciting which for is, us. Yeah, this is pretty cool. From Adam W. VFX on Twitter wrote to us saying, listening to Crossroads SPN from Tuesday, hi guys, they have a couple requests for the finale, see what we can do. Referencing our last episode, uh, Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines. I just, it better fucking be blue fire. <laughs> like, I swear, that has become a thing, and I, sw- I honestly oh, think we need God. to have a shirt made. Like, it needs to be a shirt. Yeah. And if it if there's no my blue Lucifer fire, burns blue. Yes, if we, if we don't have, <laughs> I think just more blue fire. Yeah, just hashtag the, more blue fire. You know, more bell, more cowbell, yeah, more, more cowbell. blue fire, more blue fire. That would be the greatest. And you have a cartoon version of, of Thomas, Thomas, maybe yeah. like a like a pop vinyl yeah. looking yes. type character. Yes, and you just put that. Yeah, you know what? I'll get Bobby on that, yeah. dude. I will pay for that shirt. Holy oh shit, that would, be, that would awesome. be amazing. And but if I'll, we do get blue flames, you are welcome, and at least I will be remembered by somebody. Yeah, you will be remembered for something. I mean, For fucking up the fire. I mean, hashtag forgettable Thomas might disappear if that happens. Yeah. It might. He, well, Adam will probably think it was me that said it anyway. So, oh, yeah. you dickhead, I swear. <laughs> God. Honestly, to be if a If they butt- jump into a porn parody, they probably will think it was your fault at that point. Uh, then you're welcome. You, then, then at that rate, you were responsible for season this season's second episode with the with the sex dreams? Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. Was, that, Already influencing the show. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to be a buzzkill. However, I don't think 
it's possible for him to do Blue Flame this close because he tweeted this out two days ago. Yeah. And I'm 99.9% sure the episodes <laughs> are completely in the can. They're done. I would think so. Maybe yeah, he went the, back the, in and fixed some Blue Frame. You know, like maybe the opening scene is just but Blue Flame. if season th- 13's premiere has some Blue Flame, holy oh shit. Hey, Andrew, um, is, uh, is the picture locked yet? <laughs> well, why do you ask, Adam? Well... Well, there's this really three douchey guys. Specifically one troll. Yeah, wants, one guy. Who wants blue flame. And, wants, I, and I'm thinking maybe we should just throw them both so they yeah. can shut the fuck up. Yeah, then, then then I can stop listening to the to the show. I mean, come <laughs> on. You throw the shippers a bone with the mixtape Wednesday. I know so, I, I mean, do. I mean, The I, Walking I, Dead fans? Yeah, you know, I I did that on purpose. You know, I wanted them to get a boner over it. Yeah, you so know? let's go ahead and do this thing for the Blees guys. Let's, uh, yeah. I don't know. What, what's the guy's name? What's the guy's name? I, that, I don't that, remember. Yeah. <laughs> And probably how that would go down as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah. But, I mean, that is cool that he, somebody who is so close to the show, such an integral part of the show, is listening. And we want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to three morons prattle on about blue fire and other stupid bullshit. And he's, been, a, he's been listening he's been, for yeah. quite a long time I know, now. Yeah. I know. So thank you very much for that. But it would be cool to see if it would be cool. I would get giddy. I'm not going to lie. If there's ever a blue flame, even if it's like some nonsense other character, I'm going to be like... Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to have to get confirmation whether or not it was intentional. I know. Yeah. He'll have to tweet us whether or not wanna, that's intentional. I just want to know. I just want to, you know, Adam, if you're listening right now, Thomas is the one that came up with that so you can remember him. Who? Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Follow, practice that part because everyone else does. I just remember Ryan. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I am memorable. For some reason. Just Ryan. Rememberable? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that right there is why people remember me. Oh my god. All right. Other news. This is not supernatural well, idiots related. Idiots and dupuses are easy to remember. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Some other news that's not supernatural related, but it is supernatural related because of everyone's favorite, well, our favorite, Eric Kripke. Timeless has been saved from the grave mm-hmm. and has been given a second season, although with some stipulations. It's only going to get a 10 episode run in the summer of 2018 is what it's looking at right now. But I remember seeing Eric Kripke's tweet actually had timeless, like the crew went back in time and fixed it, essentially, which I thought that was pretty cool to implement that for fans. But we are going to get a second chance with this. I'm kind of excited because I was definitely one of those, you know, negative fans as a person. I was kind of like, well, you negative. I know. Shocker, right? Never. I wanted to see it, but I had other things to, you know, do and other shows I was trying to watch. So I'm like, oh, I'll come back to it another time. And now I felt bad when it first got canceled because I'm like, fuck. I know one person's not going to do it, but enough one people obviously has an impact. It's kind of hard to get into uh, because of NBC upfront agendas, meaning at the start of the TV season for 2016, 2017, they made it clear that all shows on NBC were going to kind of pander my word there, pander to a specific agenda. And that was diversity. And that's fine. But when you make all your shows across the board implement that specific idea into your TV shows, when the shows were already written, you create a very heavy show. And when you have to find reasons to do little nods that are very transparent. It feels way too forced. Yeah. And then they have to rewrite things and make sure the diversity agenda and the equality agenda fits. And these are all things that I believe in. Obviously, I think you're a douche if you don't. But when you when you're forcing it down, staple it on at the end. Yeah. It's all about the art of subtlety. 
You know, and that's unfortunately what was wrong with the first season of Timeless. Not all of it. I think it fixed itself. And that's going to happen when you're on NBC, ABC and CBS. You're going to have those those nudges by the executives telling you, hey, incorporate this. Hey, incorporate that. Hey, make sure you do um, you know, you, this. You hit your quotas and all this sheet of stuff, you know. But I mean, at the same time, Kripke has taken, usually it seems like, by the second season, he's really got the story moving oh, yeah. and things start Usually flowing. the second half. Mm-hmm. Second half, yeah. second season. And with 10 episodes, this might kind of work out for them. We've talked about it before that a lot of network TV has too many episodes we've, in some ways. We've talked about that a lot lately, actually. And a lot of filler as a result, whereas yep. things like Netflix and these Hulu seasons are, and even HBO, are shorter, more full contained. More right off the bat. Yeah. And there's there's no room for fluff. So with that, you get people coming into an episode, getting all this main story arc, main plot line, main lore, and it grabs their attention a lot more than those filler episodes yep. do. Well, we could even bring it closer to home. Just looking at season three of Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, it was a shortened season. And I know there were some complaints about it, which I don't understand. But it was cut in half because of the strike. And you know what? feels complete it's stronger for it yeah Yeah. it doesn't have all the unnecessary fluff in it so i mean i'm okay with short order seasons i wouldn't mind supernatural doing that down the road if you know jared or jensen get a little too busy with the family and they want to cut you know their their time back so they can spend more time with their family i think that's a good viable option either a movie or a condensed season well the thing is it's it's a proven strategy between netflix and hbo and how south park does their shows Sherlock shows uh, Doctor Who. A lot of the same fans are in that group. Yeah. You don't need to have the 22, 23, 24 episodes. You, as long as the content is good. And that's something that we have stressed on this show. Jesus, every fucking week. Mm-hmm. As long as the quality is there, yep. the fans will be there. I yep. mean, a perfect example of a show that could fit the same bill as Supernatural uh, that just came out last year was the new um, event series or reboot of X-Files. Uh, they, yeah. only, they only had six episodes. And you know what? A lot of people may shrug. I'm like, well, how can you stay true to the original idea of X-Files when you had the myth arc and then you had the monster of the week? And you know what? They did it. In six episodes, they gave you two myth arc, or um, they gave you two monster of the weeks and then gave you a complete myth arc. And it felt complete. Well, I mean, yes, you wanted, you wanted a bit more, but it did feel complete. So Supernatural, with their writing abilities and, and, and them understanding the entire idea of a myth arc they can they can easily do some damage in 12 episodes 10 to 12 episodes i honestly i'm hoping that timeless gets a strong second chance here and that people will gravitate more i hope that the 10 episodes helps condense and focus the writing again not that any of it was bad from what i had seen the pieces that i saw but you know when you have less space to to waste essentially you're right. you're going to be that much more you focused trim the driven. fat trim, trim the, the fat, fat. Yeah. and and they're they know they're up against the ropes right now right so anything for the underdog that can help them out time to get all, all it. you know time to get all wrath of con on it <laughs> seriously man come yeah. back swinging yeah well so. plus it would work out for us if super if timeless does get a third season and continues on a as fans of supernatural we're going to love that and be happy that Krippy's got another show that he can you know and you trumpet and and run the lead on that. And I know so there's some people out there saying, well, what does this have to do with Supernatural? Well, Eric Kripke is the god of Supernatural. And we have to realize that he has his own camp of apprentice, apprentices, if you will. And if he can 
churn out some more talented writers and send them out to the Supernatural camp and help us out as well down the road or even for the spinoff. Yeah. I mean, he's still an executive consultant on the show. Uh, I know he doesn't have any creative control, but I'm sure they go. I mean, look at Robbie Thompson last year, what he did with the reveal of God. What did he do? He went and got the stamp of approval from Kripke before they produced the script. So the better Kripke does, the better for us Supernatural fans, because he will be churning out. Look, look at the writers he churned out for us uh, for the last, let's say how his writers. There's one left of his his group. Andrew Mm -hmm. Dabbs, the last. But he started this giant odyssey, this journey that yeah. created so many writers, and every single writer has now gone off to do something pretty damn great. Yep. Yeah. Do, do their they, own thing. Yep. Whether you went into showrunner side of things and then just continued writing. I mean, Sarah Gamble, I know a lot of people had some issues with her run, but she went from writer to showrunner to showrunner and writer for a different show right there. I mean, yeah. how many other shows have this kind of launching pad for so many careers oh yeah that's that's Insane. unheard of it's crazy i mean i know there was some <laughs> some uh, stingy supernatural fans and a part of me is like that as well wishing uh, you know his show would get canceled so he has to come back you know oh, they, that's i know yeah. savage dude i, I don't it know is, you know what it's... there's a part of me that does not want that to happen to kripke because i don't want him to fail and then feel like well i just go back to supernatural that's my my one success i would like him to have two or three shows under his belt he comes back writes the feature film yeah and somebody like oh, richard spate awesome. directs I mean, that would be fantastic. You know, Richard Spate can be our Leonard Nimoy, our Jonathan Franks, the guy who who directs the movies. Yeah. And you have Kripke, you know, writing with Carver, whatever, the movies. What, what, so what I'm holding they? out for that. What were those two guys from? So stupid. You're such a douche. <laughs> Don't even pretend. Well, it, also. It, that ain't no Doctor Who scenario, so I didn't even try oh, that one. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't name any names from there, because I wouldn't really give a shit. He wouldn't have been able to name any names from there. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> But it also would help us on the network because one of the things we have through the Patreon is doing this exact style show for Timeless should we reach, I think it's our third goal yeah. on Patreon. Which, guys, again, if you don't know already, we do have Patreon set up for not only Supernatural The Crossroads, but the Rain Man Digital Network as a whole. We've been doing this for, Jesus, forever it now. Feels it feels like forever, like yes. Three and a half, four years almost. I've been on here for four years. Four years. We've been doing the show for about four years, and throughout that time, we've done our best to give you guys great quality, great sounding work from true fans for true fans. Not just for Supernatural, but for DC on CW, for your Weird West shows. Hey, I'm on that show. For movies and other entertainment, Star Wars, all of it. And now we really could use some help from all of you. So if you guys check out Patreon slash Rainman Digital patreon.com slash rainman digital yep. you can find our entire page with all the different opportunities for you whether it's something is donating a dollar which a dollar. helps out immensely you have no idea to getting additional access to the video cast such as additional supernatural episodes behind the scenes stuff guys there's all kinds of cool things that you know your donation gets you um, and it like Thomas said, it helps the show out a lot. We we appreciate anything that you could donate to us. You know, what? and I was surprised, Thomas and Ryan, that there was a comment on our Facebook page of a listener who's really into our show, and he said, "Hey, do you guys think that someday you'll do or you should do you know a podcast on the first five seasons?" And, and then I realized, I'm like, is our marketing that bad? <laughs> and and I it might be. I mean, is our marketing it's, it's that got, bad yeah, that you don't be. know that we're doing that? We talk about the Patreon every yeah. week. I'm like, that is one of the things we do. We do a retrospective review 
slash discussion on the past seasons. And yep. we started with the pilot, and now we're currently moving up to uh, Bloody, Bloody Mary. Mary. Yep. yep. We're doing the exact same show for that, guys. Yeah, and it's the video cast option on the uh, Patreon tier. And then you get to look at our ugly faces. Yeah, so I was kind of... Uh, mad at myself because i'm like are we just not promoting <laughs> do, do we just talk to ourselves we might be yeah <laughs> and that's nothing against that guy i have to take a hard look at myself and try <laughs> to refigure so stupid refigure <laughs> out you know refigure out <laughs> refigure <laughs> what out. am i ryan denton hey between re-remembering wow. and refiguring out yeah jesus christ jesus god that's not very nice but you guys can help us with that check it out patreon.com slash Digital. Check out all the stuff you can get, and we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into our discussion about There's Something About Mary in just a minute. Where are you wondering, oh, Miss Mary? Where are you wondering? Three days and Mary's coming home. When Mary was a young girl, she took to wondering. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Was he just being a douche He's and like and, being and hitting on chicks? Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I imagine know. it is. I don't imagine it's something as horrific as Cosby. Right. I imagine it's more knowing Bill O'Reilly from what we've just seen. He on likes TV. his penis better than his career. Right. Right. Because can, he's in it. Just you know what, guys out there in the world, just go to work. You know, John Travolta had the best advice ever in Pulp Fiction when he knew he shouldn't diddle Marcellus Wallace's wife, okay? <laughs> and he went into the bathroom and said, look it, I'm going to go home, I'm going to jerk off, and that's all you're going to do. <laughs> that's ex- words to live by. It would save so many people yeah. so much harder. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly. Obviously, you, you have a heart on at work. Just Ew. go into the bathroom... <laughs> Jerk off little O'Reilly. That's all you got to do. And all of this would have gone away. But no, you, you have to hit on a chick. Go, what happened to the days of just going to work, clocking in, doing your job, and like, sayonara, motherfuckers, I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to go home and bang my hot wife. Why is there so much random dick appearances at the workplace yeah. lately? Yeah. It's not worth it. Your penis is not worth it. No, it's not. Yeah. It's been the demise of so many kings. Nations. Yeah. Nations. When are we going to learn just to cut our dick off as soon as we're born? <laughs> I mean, that's going to be, that's the only time we're going to have change in this world. And guess what? Less problems <laughs> less problems in fact i would be okay with you know, eugenics you know eugenics yeah. yeah but let's eliminate let's bring the male race down to about 10 percent. the male gender let's bring it down to 10 percent and make sure more women are born okay that way there's less dick related decisions and more women for the guys <laughs> i like that ratio that's what you're that's yeah. your whole goal right yeah. <laughs> but i'm not going to say that when i when i pitch this idea to the local to, you know, to the local science community <laughs> Hey guys, got an idea. <laughs> Bear with me, because in the end, in about a hundred years, all of us are gonna have a lot more pussy. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you ten free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. 
Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. Okay, Entertainment Earth, bring Hollywood home. Entertainment Earth is a place to get all your geekdom wants. From action figures, bobbleheads to pop vinyls and more. Entertainment Earth is your one stop for your fandom needs. Since 1996, they've shipped millions of toys and collectibles to thrilled clients around the world. And now you too can jump on the bandwagon. Uh, Supernatural, Rick and Morty, DC, Marvel, and all other sorts of geekdom wants is available on their site. I mean, I, 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 we've all become obsessed with pop vinyls. I need to buy more. Yeah, I'm so low. And Dude. I'm obsessed with Rick and Morty right now, and they have tons of new merchandise coming out that I'm going to be getting myself. Their booth at San Diego Comic-Con makes me want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Give it time, you will. So head over to RaymanDigitalMedia.com and start clicking on those links, guys. Help us out so we can keep doing what we do. Thank you. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. But this had the first time we saw Lucifer return since season five. The red eye shot that we've all grown to love from the minute we saw it. One of my favorite shots and one of my favorite episodes from season 11. Except for the lack of blue flames. Except for the lack of blue flames. That was really what it was missing. And God, I, I still hold that against no them. No joke. That's one of my favorite bits we've ever done I on this show. I hate both of you I so guarantee much. you, Adam, because he listened to that show, I guarantee you he, he was, mad was at me. making fun of you yeah. to the rest of the visual he effects should. team. He should. Hey, they'll know who I am, right? That's somebody. Hey, that's at least, yeah, at least someone that's remembered you on that one. Yeah, that's true. Forgettable Thomas. Exactly. Guy, blue flame. This is why I say these stupid what things. What if Adam did a blue flame in these episodes? <laughs> dude. Oh, oh my god, dude. I would lose my I mind. I would be so fucking happy. It wouldn't would even matter. I would I would yeah, I'd lose my mind. Be crazy. And if you on my Twitter, I'd get that tattooed. We'll do something like that. You get some blue flame tattooed on you? Yep. Now that's cute. <laughs> I would have liked it better forward. if Mick Davies would have popped up as a ghost spirit and warned Mary. I know you're taking shit right now, but I need to talk to you. <laughs> this is where I hang out now. Yeah. Hey. Like don't always, Myrtle. Don't always, if you haven't noticed yet, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm, I need your help. I need your help. Now my body. I need you to find me. If you just break through and burn my bones, that'd be great. That way I can rest. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, man. I, I can't believe you fucked catch. And not me. Oh, I mean, what the, I mean, what the fuck's that about? That's really why he hung around. To he, ask he's why. haunting Mary because she didn't fuck him. <laughs> you can ghost fuck me now. It'd be like ghost. What? It'd be like Patrick I'll Swayze. I'll possess and we can do it again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Going oh. to the witch just reanimate him. Oh. Twig version. I'm back as Twig. <laughs> Twine and back. It, oh, oh, God. It's the new spinoff, okay? No. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into our discussion about episode 22. There's something about Mary Ryan, director, written by, and synopsis, please. <laughs> All right. So this one was directed by PJ Pesci. I'm not going to correct you. Written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming. I was going to say the other names we have for them, but I cited against it. Oh. 
<laughs> and the synopsis is as American hunters begin dying at an alarming rate, Sam and Dean worry Mary may, may be in danger. They soon encounter unexpected trouble. Uh, shocked to find Mary in cahoots with the British men of letters, Lucifer turns the tables on Crowley with disastrous results. Now, this is the director from season nine. We've had uh, King of the Damned, yep. season 10, Book of the Damned, and then two episodes this season, Family Feud, and this one, There's Something About Mary. Eugenie Ross Lemming and Brad Buckner, we don't have to talk about it. I mean, everybody knows who they are at this point, but this season they've had a lot of episodes. They had yeah, they the second half of the premiere with Mamma Mia. They had the mid-season finale with uh, Lotus. They had Family Feud, the British invasion with the death of McDavies, and now there's something about Mary with the death of Eileen and the turning of their mom to the dark side, essentially. They've had a lot of very heavy plot relevant episodes yeah, this year. The days of the racist truck are long past. <laughs> are you guys are you, you guys know. bummed out that there wasn't any jizz and hair in this episode? Oh, Jesus. It's like something about Mary in the movie. You know, I knew you were going to do something to yeah, that degree. Yeah. Of he's, course. He's been writing this. He's been waiting. <laughs> he wrote it. I guarantee you wrote it. Remember, about. remember something about Mary joke. Funny jizz. <laughs> he workshop like 12 different versions and then he just said where was the jizz yeah. that's the one he decided to go with Dude, look n- nobody's accused me of planning things out before okay let's be honest but n- i was just curious his boss found his note at work jizz <laughs> Remember the jizz? it's on a post-it note who the fuck's post-it note is this <laughs> sorry boss i can explain uh but no eugenie and uh brad they have um one more episode than previous seasons. Usually they're about four on average per season. And this is uh, marks their fifth one this year. And that might be like a sign of a promotion, basically, because they're the last pretty much of the old school writing staff. Did they write the most Dab. episodes this season? Out of, of everyone else? else? I, I, so. I think so. I think they even wrote more than Dab. I can pull I think, it up if you give me a minute. Yeah, look that up. I think they're more than Dab and Robert Barron's at this point. Which, yeah, that's that, a big time which that should not be the case. Um, no. If that's true with Andrew Dab, that's ridiculous. Andrew Dab should be writing 50% of these episodes. He's the showrunner. That's what showrunners do. And you know what? He might have... I know, I know sometimes title credit for it. Yeah. And I know sometimes showrunners do that. They'll write and give the credit to the assigned writer. Yeah. Cause they do the rewrites. It could be that I would like to see dab play a more central role in the story. I mean, we know he's the showrunner. So he's written one episode this year. So he'll have two by the finale. That's that's pretty shy. Yeah. I mean, I think Carver was similar. He didn't have too many episodes, but there was a couple, I want to say that he did the mid-season finale or the premiere. He was a little bit more involved. Again, I, I, I hope this is just um, new him, season him trying blo- to get blues. used to running things like from the managerial point. And then next it's year, a new job. yeah, maybe next year he'll be in that chair more comfortably and then he'll sit down and write as well as manage. Because I, I think this season, as we were saying, the season is shaping up to be okay, but I think it's been... It's been a little wonky for a lot of uh, yeah. for a lot of audiences, and yep. it might be for the, because the lead guy is not writing. It's been a rocky road, to say the very least. Rocky it, road. Oh my yeah. god, sloth! It, you know what though? It doesn't. It it really doesn't make sense though. I mean, like you're probably right. He probably wrote maybe one or two and and gave them the credit to somebody else. Right. But the last couple, you know, this last you know, double, you know, double episode or whatever, he's going to have, it's going to have to be him, right? I mean, It'll come down to his episode. Yeah. He's written the finale. 
And I you mean, know, Carver wrote one episode as well last year. So, Carver wrote two. But we also know he was working uh, on for frequency. season 10. He wrote two for season nine. So he's uh, the showrunners aren't writing very much. It seems I think uh, Kripke was the only one that actually sat down and wrote. It might be the case, and it might be just something new that's happened, you know, over the time after Kripke left. That's kind of right. just the dynamic that the show took on. But, and it again, we have no facts to go on. He may have written a lot of the outline and then handed off episodes. As Mike says, we know for a fact that other showrunners do that. He is the captain of the whiteboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. He is the one running the show. The he X's does. And he, O's. Yeah. Yep. So who knows? But I would like to see a little bit more direct involvement or that dual writing like we saw with Robert Barron's and Meredith Glynn. I'd like to see some of that coming from Dab just to sh- give us a little bit more of an idea of where his brain is going with the season. But, yes. Uh, Kripke wrote five episodes for season one, two for season two, two for season three, three for season four, and two for season five. Really? And one for season six. So twos kind of seems to be the standard issue, or at least the MO. That's interesting. It is interesting. That's not really the case with a lot of other TV shows. So I'm wondering if they're, yes, they're the king of that whiteboard and the story's theirs, but they're probably rewriting. I, I have to believe they're rewriting some More of these, an editor role. Yeah, after their I, I'm episodes. sure they are, especially because, you know, I know from inside information, I'm not going to divulge that there are a lot of showrunners that do that. They do not want to take the credit because you just look like a dick. Yeah. But they sit there. It's and they all about me. I yeah. did everything. Yeah, my name's on everything. I also edited that. So I'm going to go to do that. Also, Adam, I'm going to take your name off there. I'm going to put my name, Andrew Dab, now visual effects. Like, you're going to look like a douche. And I know indie, all the credits just I say know Dab. indie filmmakers that do that, and you laugh at them. Written, directed, starring, produced. So basically, the, yeah. the end credit just has their name over and over and over and over and over. I've seen that, dude. It finally just stops having a name and just has somebody dabbing. Oh, jeez. What? God. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see, and not just for Andrew Dabb, but with the other showrunners, I'd like to see a little bit more control, I guess, is the best way to I don't really know what the best way to say that is, but a little bit more. Show us that there is more to it than just I came in at the beginning of the season and the end, and then I'm walking away. Right. I think when people have these doubts throughout the season, it'll kind of help a little bit. You want to see a little bit more direction. You want to see him actually be the one directing things. Instead of saying, okay, have fun in the middle of the season. You guys just go ahead and write some episodes and well, I'll I mean, oversee them. Look at this episode. You also don't want... You got you to remember this, too. Okay? Nope. You guys have all had other jobs, right? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Absolutely. Nobody likes that overbearing manager. And you have to put it into that perspective. Yeah. Meaning, this is a job. These writers are hired to do a job. Now, imagine if you got hired to do a job and then your manager is overbearing and he does it for you because he doesn't have the confidence in you. Yeah, that's almost it gets, worse. It gets annoying very fast, I and mean, you wouldn't have a staff. So you have to hire people. You have to hire the right people, and then you got to be able to delegate and lead by example. So that that's what the showrunner's responsibility is ultimately. Yeah. And, I mean, look at this season, though. We've had a lot of people have had – we did a poll. Where do you think – where does your interest lie in the main stories this season? A lot of people had British Men of Letters, but it wasn't getting a lot of screen time until now. So if we had that kind of idea of where's the overarching kind of semblance of the story going, it might help a bit. Some people felt that this episode here was a big jarring shift of tone for a lot of people. We start with a very dark scene. Well, you were, you remember, I mean, not to kind of backtrack, but you remember in the first part of the season, you know, we were kind of like, okay, well, where is this going? You know? Oh, yeah. In the first three or four episodes, we had no clue. And I think, you know, now 
in the last couple episodes, we've, we've got an idea and we kind of know exactly yeah. where we're going. And I think that's, I, I think we, we didn't know what was going the first four or five episodes. Then we, we, we hit it on the head, yeah. Ryan, with our writing draft. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with the, Absolutely. how do you reboot without rebooting? Yep. And that's what was happening, especially now that we see what's going on with these last three or four episodes. Yep. It becomes more and more clear. That's exactly what was happening. Mm hmm. I think it really became obvious, not just with the death of McDavies, but the Ghost Davies. The death of the cult <laughs> I'm here. was a big sign of this is why this was brought back and this is why it's right. now off the table again. Yeah. But I mean, this episode was darker <laughs> and it was Thomas did not sound nope. very convincing. He sounded very upset about it. Yeah. He was the cult. very upset. You know, up here's the cult and now it's off again. Oh yeah, I'm mad about it. <laughs> I'm absolutely fucking mad about it. You can it. always, like, he has You no, can tell. Thomas does not know how to hide his true no, feelings at all. absolutely not, dude. He wears it on his shoulder, dude. <laughs> on, on this show, no, I cannot. I, I, it doesn't come across as a good lie. It yeah, just you're, doesn't. You're just, no, you're, you're no good at it, dude. You don't, it's like, you can tell. Like, he starts talking through his teeth yeah. a little bit. Like, There's a fucking cult gone. The cult is fucking gone. I swear <laughs> he, to fucking He talks God. like Popeye, then. Oh, God. oh my god why do you know how to do that why wouldn't i know how to do that Come all on, right kid. get us back on track anyway though. god damn it two, two of you i swear to fuck we're awesome we know anyway this this episode was a much darker shift of tone we see that the british mental letters are truly the villains that we've kind of presumed they were they never really did a great job convincing us otherwise except for mcdavies and he's immediately killed for it the episode that he finally starts showing some independent thought but we've kind of known that they were up to something. There was some moral ambiguity. Yeah. Like, there was definitely that. and But there wasn't a clear... And we, we've seen a lot of characters come and go in Supernatural that were in that gray area. In fact, Sam and Dean arguably have also been in that gray area many times. Yeah. So, yeah. them presenting the Men of Letters, the British Men of Letters, as that character, kind of the question mark in that gray area, it works with the kind of typical archetype of a new character. Like, you're not really sure where they stand. So I think it's worked. I don't think we all assume, especially when they dropped that one line in the first episode of the season when, um, I believe Tony Bevel said, you know, how are the monsters growing so much here? How are they, uh, they're, how are they, they able to survive as right, well as they, they do? They alluded to the fact that there may be help. So, you know, dropping lines like that, you, you have to believe, or the audience is led to believe that they're here with a good purpose. And I still strongly believe that the men of letters believe they're in the right. And that's what makes them that's, so dangerous yeah. and scary. When you have they're those fanatics. Right. And if you look at that, it's kind of what Dab's doing with this season. Who else is a fanatic that we know? Kelly. Kelly's yep. going to be a fanatic. Mm -hmm. We had the president who was a fanatic who allowed Lucifer to enter. You have Castiel, who, again, I'm, I'm assuming will also be that fanatic, the one who believes in the Nephilim. Well, and that's what got his entire battalion slash squad, whatever they would be called, because there's not enough of them, of angels to kill the other innocent girl back in the 1800s this blind faith which is something castiel has tried so hard to get away from but it seems to constantly haunt him with his decision making throughout the seasons but it, you're right blind faith throughout this season has been a big herald of doom yeah for all the characters involved yeah and i'm not saying the middle letters are good i'm saying they think they're good which makes right. them dangerous which makes them incredibly they dangerous. think they're right yep the greater good yeah yeah oh my yeah, hot fuzz, dude. Nice, nice hot fuzz, right? Dude, love that movie. I like hot fuzz. Anyway, that's a different kind of fuzz. But it also does change the formula for Supernatural as a whole. We've gone from monsters and things that go bump in the night to humans being our primary antagonist. This hasn't really been the case. Yep. 
since it's either season one or season two where I want to say the Benders yeah. is the one. Yeah. one. The, the most dangerous game, essentially, Hillbilly Edition. We hunt people because it's fun and we're fucked up. You like, did a, that was the worst redneck. It wasn't trying to be redneck. Oh, I thought you were trying to be like No, that. I know I can't do it, right? So I oh. won't try. <laughs> okay. I won't give you Crowley that sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I like to hunt people. There you, you go. You just asked me to do it. I should have. You got the mutton chops and the <laughs> hey, sh- sleeveless shirt right now. <laughs> right, bro. Gains. But now we've got humans that aren't just, you know, violent killers, but st- organized, strategic, mm-hmm. weaponized killers and catches at the forefront. Not just catch, though, but Lady Bevel. She is a great villain in a lot of ways. We haven't seen her since the beginning of this season, yep. but she shows up again at the very end of last episode, but primarily in this one as this cold, calculating, fucking evil woman but again, it's one of those situations where she doesn't believe she's doing the wrong thing. No, she thinks she's doing the right thing, and she thinks she's doing it for the right reasons. And, and like Mike said, that makes bad guys that much more scary because they truly don't see a skewed line of what they're doing. And they think, oh, well, I'm doing the right thing, so you're wrong. And that makes them incredibly dangerous. The fact that there's zero posturing, no lies, and she actually tells you the truth. That yeah. arrogance that comes with just... I'm not wrong. This yeah. is how it's going to work. We've already won. And we've seen Mr. Catch lie. We've seen Davies lie. But there's a dangerous aura to someone when they don't care that much to even lie. Mm-hmm. That she just tell you ask her the question yep. and she tells you. Honestly, I, would, I like it. I like it. She's a great villain, but I honestly consider her more of a psychopath slash sociopath than Mr. Catch at this point. I, I agree. If this was earlier in the season be, uh, before his obvious connection, because even though Dab said in an interview that if you think Catch is going to change his ways because of Mary, then you got to think twice. And I agree with that, obviously. Right. Um, but th- it's there. The emotional connection that he has for Mary, it is there. Whereas Tony Bevel has no emotional connection to them at all. She's just cold, callous, and that's why she was called in. Yeah. It's nothing to her. And like you said, that's why she was called in. This is why she's going to get the job, essentially. She is terrifying. But it's not just the way in which she acts. It's the way in which she goes about doing things. Ketch is violent, but and we've seen he gets a sickening joy out of torturing, out of killing these monsters because they're inhuman. But Lady Bevel's specialty is fucking with people. And that's so much worse in a lot of ways. This is one thing that has gone against the Hunter Code, that has gone against what Sam and Dean and even Mary have always preached. You know, you don't kill people. There are a couple of times where they've had to, yes. But monsters are the main enemy. Lady Bevel is just the enemy is whoever's in the way. Well, and and the worst thing about her is her like weapon of choice is a lot like it rivals the demons. And a lot of people yep. you know kind of shrug like what do you mean? Well, just like demons take away What does away, the demon do to you? They take away your free will. What yep. do you think she's doing? Her go-to weapon is brainwashing yep, with brainwash. chemicals, not magic. She's not using magic. She's using real old school techniques to brainwash and manipulate you into making the decisions that you don't want to make, but that she wants you to make. Well, I mean, that's the worst type 
of uh, mind fuck you can do to someone. That's the to worst con- fate. To convince them that they're making their own decisions and they're not. In a lot of ways, it's worse than demonic possession because at least you know you're trapped behind that wall. You know you're not doing it. Yeah. With this and what we've witnessed with Mary, and even more so, if you, or not even more so, but what we saw earlier as a, as a prelude with Sam, we know this is what she's doing. They, they, she's making them think these are their decisions. Exactly. And that's what makes it all the more messed up because you, like you said, the demon does the act. You're trapped. You're a prisoner along for the ride. An angel kills someone. You're be, it's like Jimmy Novak said, it's like being strapped to a comet. She, as Mary's horrifically found out, takes away everything to where you don't even remember whether or not you did it. You don't know what's real. You don't know what's a lie. You don't know who you've hurt or what you've said or what you've done. You live in this drug-induced coma. But there's a part of you that knows what you did. Exactly. But well, you just don't care enough, which that, dude, that's straight out yeah. of the old school textbooks of the Cold War well, yeah. and World War II and the MK... LSD testing. The, the MK Ultra, yep. like, experiments. I mean, th- these things happen. You can brainwash Polybius. someone Look into up doing... Polybius. Well, yeah. it's, it's no different. This is it, a real-life horror. It's no different than what we see, you know, like, to use Marvel like with Winter Soldier. It's the same thing. Mind mind fucking someone so bad that they they know they're doing something wrong, but they can't stop themselves from doing it. And yeah. th- that is probably he one. Bucky should have died though. Oh, uh, he <laughs> technically hate him. He looks like a, a, a never mind. Yeah, wrong show. Anyways, um, <laughs> we don't have a Marvel show. You can make that up if you'd like to be on. That he looks show. like a, if Jared Padalecki got ran over by a car. That's what he looked like. <laughs> oh my god, that's so aggressive. <laughs> Um, but that you guys are right. That's a very Cold War era, Jesus. you know, brainwashed sleeper sleeper unit or sleep, you know, sleeper agent type thing. And it's it's such a fucked up way of messing with someone, yeah, to mess with their brain and 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 make them think that they're doing something or not doing something is incredibly ridiculous. And it's tragic that it happens to Mary, who's thought she was doing the right thing. I mean, admittedly, we anybody here could have told her that she wasn't, but for what she knew growing up and. Again, the jarring disconnect between reality for her of what just was moments ago to now being essentially jumped ahead 30 years into the future. She's going back to her hunter ways. She thinks she's doing the right thing. She's trying to make the country, the world safe for her sons. The country. Country. The, the country. He really did I mean, say Lady like Bevel that. is a country. Oh, dudes. Oh, that wasn't even an attempt to make Although that I sound don't think like anybody would argue with that. No, yeah. nobody's arguing me. That. Come on now. Even but, people that hate that word, it's like, oh, mm-hmm, she like is moist. Say it, Ryan. Oh, God. Yeah. People don't like moist. Either. Nobody hurts Jared and Mary. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I kill her. <laughs> I kill what her. What is that shoulder roll that you're doing? <laughs> don't worry about it, motherfucker. Anyways. Anyway, that's the tragic thing about Mary. She just got back to reality, essentially, and she's finally kind of got a foothold on what she wants out of life and realizes that the British Middle Letters are not what she thought they were. Catch is, is an empty, you know, time waste for her in a lot of ways. And then right when she finally gets the gets away from the forest and can see the trees, they just drag her right back in. And now it's even worse. She's locked in the cell. She has no idea what's happening, what's real. She knows she's hurt people, friends. I mean, we've seen one hunter die at her hands. How long has she been there? Has this been going on for longer? There's no real way to know. Yes, Lady Bevel came in and we know she's done things since then, but there's no way of saying that there wasn't other times and other events she doesn't remember. I mean, they're like the fucking men in black. They have that little Mm -hmm. light thing and the next thing you know, you don't remember the last day. It's a neuralizer. 
I said I couldn't remember it. Thank you, Ryan, You're for knowing welcome. what that. Yeah, what and that I, was. I think the tragedy of it all is that you know what you were saying about you know she ran for the trees and and she gets pulled back in, and that's essentially exactly what happened. I mean, last episode she finally was willing to come back to back home. Finally, she was finally willing to come back home. She called Dean, and then before she can actually you know give us all that happy ending, what happens is she has one of the worst things that could happen to her. You know, she's imprisoned and and uh, her entire, you know, free will is taken away, which is kind of like the entire theme of Supernatural, which is why I like the cohesiveness of these last couple episodes. I mean, it fits right in the same, it's in the same wheelhouse, the same ballpark as what Supernatural utilizes all the time, you know, in their little trove of stories and well, metaphors. It works not just as a thing for Supernatural that has been established for years. I mean, the, the team that we love is Team Free Will, and that is it directly being violated in this episode. So there's no way that we're not going to associate with or empathize with that. But it also works towards horror as a genre. The idea that it's beyond your control, that you have you no do say, anything. you don't know what's real. The paranoia and fear that comes with that is a staple of so many movies and books and even video games with psychological paranoia and, and that fear of what is real and what is just a figment of your imagination. I mean, you could almost argue that she thought that or that dream and sequence in the beginning, her killing that other hunter was not real until you see the stitches in her hand. And that has to be a truly horrifying moment. It may have just been for us as the casual viewer, not that big a deal because we figured that's what happened. Right. But imagine her. Imagine yourself being in that situation. That's that's fucking it's dark. messed up, man. And yeah, that's I mean, that, why that, Lady Bevel and the British Men of Letters are the real villains. Finally. Lucifer is the main villain, but he's yeah. been in the background all season. But this is shows how terrifying and fucked up non-monsters in this world can be. I mean, that, The Benders is one of my brother's favorite episodes because they're humans. Because it's not a werewolf or anything that had, I need to feed, it's part of, you know, their DNA. It was just fucked up people. And while these ones wear suits, it's not any different. It's worse. It's it's yeah, worse. It's far worse. You yeah. expect more from people who think they're doing well, right. Well, if you're if you're no one expected anything great from the benders, believe me. Yeah. I mean, look the thing the thing <laughs> the thing with the British men of letters is that that for a lack of a better term, they are civilized people. They are people who you would like Mike said, you would expect something, you know, from them. And and what we keep seeing from them is more and more low and low and low. And the it 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 doesn't match the you know, what you would have come to expect from someone who is civilized. And I think that's what makes this so much more scary is that, you know, what Bevel is doing and, and the way Catch acts, it's like there's no remorse. There's no emotion. It's just, you know, we need to get the job done and it doesn't matter how we do it. And I think that's the scariest thing for me is like, you know, when when Bevel and Catch have that kind of interaction with each other and you just see Catch be just ice cold. And it's like, dude, th there's no emotion there. That's scary. When someone doesn't have any emotion like that. I, and the ramifications, again, the, the foresight from the writing staff on this scenario is pretty damn good. I mean, the foresight into making sure Mary Winchester ends up following into the same category as Sam and Dean. Just imagine the guilt that she's going to feel when she realizes what's happened. It's going to mm -hmm. be no different than when Sam walked around without a soul. It's going to be no different when, than when Dean was harvesting souls in hell. I, I mean, this is Winchester 101. She, it, they put her in the exact same category. And what's worse about this is that Sam was not in control necessarily. Okay. 
Dean was not in control necessarily. The guy was in hell for how many hell years? 40. Before he finally broke. Mary willingly joined the British Mental Letters because she believed in them. And if you realize, if you remember, she specifically said that. In, yeah. Where yeah, she did. I believed in you guys. And the fact that they manipulated her, tricked her, and fooled her into coming to the fold. And what's going to happen, you have hunters dying. It's already happening. She is going to end up feeling the guilt and the blame of everything that's happened because she's the one who who opened the doorway for the hunters to work with the British mental letters. And in the end, what are they doing? They're putting them down. They're killing them. Yeah. So, I mean, this is Winchester 101. This is exactly, you know, the the cross to bear, the guilt. You know, it's it's and it's a sad place for Mary to be in, specifically because, you know, her time was up. Her suffering was up. Uh, she's supposed to be in heaven. And that's why it's even more of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. They pulled her out just so that she can have more shit dropped on her. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- she had great scenes in this episode. The the tragedy of wanting her to uh, herself wanting to die. Yeah, that was asked, hard. That to was watch, tough man. to watch. It, that was amazing, though. Like, yeah. Samantha Smith, man. I mean, kudos they, to her. I have. I, I said this at the start of the show, and I mean, talk about being lucky casting Samantha Smith. You know, she was supposed to be a one off role. You know, she was going to die yeah. at the very beginning of the show, and chances are, Crypty probably thought they'd never really see her in a relevant role ever again. So you're not really considering who you're casting you're in not terms of concerned. acting chops. Yeah. You know, but they got lucky that they utilized somebody who actually can act their ass off. Yep. yep. Yeah. And her scene in this episode was easily the best scene of the episode. Oh, yeah. It's, of the last four episodes. Yeah. It's it's tragic. It's painful. It feels real, you know, and her and David Hayden Jones uh, Mr. Catch, their interaction in that scene was fucking great. Right? Dude. So good. Dude, I so got chill. I have not watched an episode of Supernatural this year where I got there was a, some ex- excitement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But where I got chills watching two actors work side by side. And I mean, just the emotions, not just from Samantha Smith, but also You could from actually see emotions on David. Mr. Catch's side. Yeah. I mean, he and I didn't expect that because we all expected him just to be an asshole. But the fact right. that he also was feeling this guilt and this dread that he's watching this woman just that he obviously cared for, just in pain. I mean, God, such great performances, man. And I just I love when they take the time out to give us that scene because that was that ate they that ate up a chunk of our episode. It really did. That was like a six yeah. or seven minute scene. Well, I mean, and she wasn't it wasn't like she put the gun to her chin and then he grabbed it in time. That gun went off. Yeah, she was. Gonna that kill was herself. And that's one thing that I really liked, but was also, you know, obviously disturbing in this episode is so many times in other movies and shows when somebody's going to shoot their hostage or put the gun to their own head. There's this long pause and then the villain loses the gun or the the good guy can stop it in time. This wasn't a hesitation. This oh, wasn't was a caught monologuing. This was, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And only because he was fast enough did it not happen. I liked that a lot. It made it feel far more real. It's way more real that way. I mean, yeah. like you said, we've seen it so many times in movies where... You know, they get there in time and there never really is a hesitation or you don't see a shot go off. She truly meant to blow herself away. And he got there in the nick of time to stop her from shooting herself. And I think that, like you said, Thomas, that makes it more real. It makes it you feel something like, holy crap. Because you two are watching like, holy shit, that gun just went off. Yeah, and you needed that scene to last as long as it did in order for it to resonate like it did. 
and to be as meaningful as it was. And again, that's something that we don't have that usually. Typically, we don't have that luxury on the CW or even network television because of the time restraints and having to go to you know, commercial breaks. We yeah. get those types of scenes in HBO and stars and the paid television where they don't have to run to a commercial break right away. And I'm glad that they were willing to let that scene play out. And I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that the scene was not supposed to be as long as it was. But I know at times, because I've done it, where you have a scene written, but because the actor is in the moment, you just let it go. You let the camera roll. And just, the, and, and yeah. the AD will like, will we look at you and say, do I cut? I'm like, no, no motherfucker. <laughs> never. Inter- no, I'm serious. No, like, yeah. You never interrupt a performance. If, if they're not done, let it ride. And I guarantee you, they were sitting back. They were watching this scene unfold and they were just looking at each other and like, like no, let's not call cut. Let them do it. Let them go. Because yeah. it was that good. And not just that, not just from an emotional and acting standpoint, but we also get a lot more in depth into Ketch's personality in just a few little moments. Not just that scene, but for me also the end scene, the end shot of this episode when they're in the car talking, where he you can tell he's genuinely sad he like he's not gonna let it affect his job right but he's telling her it'll be over soon you're it'll get easier you won't care so much and even the way he interacted with her in the car made led me to believe he knows what he's talking about this is a first-hand account of how this works and part of me wonders did he undergo a yeah. similar process that's exactly okay, I, I was wondering if i was way off on that one because no, that's dude. kind of what i thought as well when i was watching this when he said it gets easier believe me i'm like okay so were you brainwashed into just killing folks as well to be and a weapon here's the thing. That's because lady bevel said we got our weapon we got we and the fact that she looks at mary as a weapon leads me to believe that's an entire ideology of the british men of letters that hey you're a weapon and we're going to manipulate and use you as we the leaders see fit and we already know catches nothing more than a soldier well, here's the thing. Here's the evidence I feel that supports that idea. One, his whole little bit to her at the end saying that it's easier to not care about people you used to love. That's something somebody says when they have undergone that firsthand. Second of all, there's a lot of evidence that Ketch and Bevel's relationship led to the kid she currently has that we saw at the end of season 11. So there's something that leads me to believe that because she is truly the darker personality here... She could have easily brainwashed him after the fact or because she didn't like him for whatever reason. And that led to him going down this route he's on. Maybe she didn't want him because he was already a darker person near their kid. Because there's a big fan theory that that kid is theirs. Maybe that's something. Whose kid? In the end of episode or in the end of season 11, Lady Bevel's first appearance, she has a kid. We know catching her dated. Hello. There could be something to that. I mean, she has the ability. Catch may have been too dark and too violent as it is, but then maybe that was part of some training or something she did to get him away from her kid. Sex training. Who knows? That's good training. <laughs> it's good. very rigorous. It, it is. Dep- well, it depends on who your partner is. I, I do think there is Let's something see if you get to a that. Kid in me. Oh, Jesus Christ. And let the training begin. Let the training begin. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you up? Let's do this. I think there could be some... Catch me if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I, I do think, though, there could be something to him actually being brainwashed that would add a little bit of credit to some of the the things he's done. I 
Yes, I do. But this is a no. I agree. But there's a slippery slope. I oh yeah. I kind of want bad guys to be bad guys. Yeah. Uh, We already have Crowleys. We already have the Lucifers. That is bad, but we still like them. I'm okay with disliking somebody. And if Tony Bevel takes that place, then I'm okay with that. If Catch ends up being a victim as well. I would be okay with that as well. But one of them has to be sheer evil. We can't have these good guys anymore. There can't be good guys. I think Bevel and I don't remember. I can never remember her name. The doctor who's in charge. Yeah. Those two are the villains. To me, at least Catch is definitely. Dr. Hess. Dr. Hess. Thank you. Catch is definitely still a villain, but there could be more there. And again, we haven't seen much of Tony. He's also taking orders. So, I mean, not to say he's has any reprieve. No, he doesn't really (laughs) care. Yeah, I don't think there's any forgiveness for him because he's a soldier, but I'm saying that, yeah, I can definitely There could see be that. more there as to how this train of events came about. I think if they go that route, it would actually strengthen the this season's narrative between Mary and Ketch. Yeah, it would, because that'd be the only time he's felt anything for how long? Yeah. You know, whether or not she cared or felt the same way, that still says something. And if he dies at the end, fine. But if we know that he's also being controlled in some way... I feel like it would just add that much more of a tragic ending to his character and maybe even that of Mary's. Yeah. And I ultimately I do want Bevel though to die. I wanted She's I got wanted a horrible death. Though. I wanted there to so be a pulp fiction gunshot accidental in no, the car I think moment. I was a gimp scene. I was like Jesus, do no. you ever dare? With, oh, okay, With no. With the ball in the mouth and everything? No, oh, I man. the way he was pointing hey, Bevel bring out the gimp. Get oh, out the sh- gimp suit. <laughs> Jesus god. <laughs> Catch puts it on, but oh, Dean, that's why he's so Dean weird. Go gets the sword. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no! But you remember, he's got the gun pointed right over the edge of the car. That was straight out of Pulp Fiction. I was hoping they'd hit a speed bump, and then she, they, she would just get shot in the face when she's like, because she's talking shit about their mom. That's a little, and she's, that's a little aggressive. She's that, a mind rapist, and she's like, who's raped Sam and her, their mom in I, the same way. I, I don't think. She's I, like, you I, know what I a quarter pounder with cheese is? I don't think it's um, a rape anymore, like I thought, like I originally thought. Yeah, it's still, I would have liked to see her get shot. Or at yeah, least... Yeah, she's a bad person. She's sure. an evil person. Yeah. She, she took to way die. too much joy in that. Or when, you know, Dean caught Catch in the bunker, I wanted someone to get kneecapped just a little bit. I wanted a little more violence. Well, Man, you are really on a violent kick tonight, huh? I, it, to me, it would have made sense. They have been... I hope they don't around. befriend her because they're in the no. bunker and that they actually join sides. With I hope that I doesn't hope that happen. Doesn't what if it's like Stockholm syndrome and then she finally does bang Sam? Like oh, in friends. real life, though, like they finally like what hook if, up. What if Dean says, "Hey, three hey, of let's us, three, let's let's all Eiffel right, Tower, right. baby." Before we get into some there's three of stuff. us, but don't look at me, Sam, because that there's, would be that'd be incest. Bro. There's three of us and you have three holes. As long as you keep oh, your Jesus God, three of us, and three, three of us. Ryan's inserted himself in that scenario. That was a villain laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's meta, it's meta as fuck. Here, we left one hole open for you guys. Leaving the aside audience. your your wincest nature. <laughs> Seriously, though, you realize that when it's we like get really POV porn, you realize when we get Jesus really, God, when we get really perverse, you can't tell Ryan or or my laugh apart. No. Yeah, you guys are sick. <laughs> we both get the pervert bad guy laugh. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, well, you two are writing horrific fan fiction. I am saying, yes, it does sound a little bit more violent, but frankly, everything that the British Men of Letters have done this season leads me to think that Sam and Dean should take the kid gloves off. 
I mean, look at how they one headshot those armed dudes in the bunker. No questions asked. God, so amazing. But when they bring about the named characters, all of a sudden they're, they're too good to shoot them even in the foot. When they've kidnapped their mom, brainwashed her, kidnapped and beat Sam for who knows yeah, how the, long. The gloves are off, man. You're going to get Fuck what you them. want. Look, shoot look them how, in the knee. Shoot yeah. them in the face. You know, do they something. Did. They did. I mean, I, I think every nerd boy like gets excited when you see slow motion gunshots because when Sam grabbed the gun Matrix. that and was Dean, cool and Dean slid on his knees to take the that gun was for, cool. I was like this is awesome this is like some, this is some 1990s John Woo shit yeah, yeah. Like, right. I was I excited Dean, I didn't know Dean had those kind of moves dude that was yeah. kind of awesome yeah it, it was yeah, a cool knows. oh jeez <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Made him a mixtape. He's got to know. Slippy, slip, slip and slide on my knees. Yeah, oh. you got your knees. Okay, stop. You've had enough <laughs> sexual innuendos and porn parodies yeah, to write the next get, four months worth yeah, of fiction. No more sex. Let's get back to violence. Yeah. yeah. Let's let people the, Ameri- the yeah. American way. What if we marriage violence <laughs> yeah. and Thomas sex? Thomas wants no sex. sex, but he wants people's heads to be blown off. Yeah. yeah. That's much better. Yeah. I'm so much more adjusted. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, I feel like it's time for the gloves to come off. They sh- should not give a fuck. And, oh, I, and I completely agree. I do not want Lady Bevel to form some sort of bullshit friendship just so they can get out of the bunker. I would Frankly, even I'd mind, love it if they left her there. I would, Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> mind them using her to get out and then they just right, one bullet to the back of the head. Boom. And I think they would be justified. Man, you're, you're fucking with their mother. Yeah. that you You're that, done. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think that in a lot of ways, the British Men of Letters storyline has kind of been underutilized after seeing these last few episodes where they really become prevalent with yeah. between Mick Davies and his torn loyalties, hearing about Kendricks and how they've raised these, you know, murdering children since what they're like 10 or something like that. Yeah. This entire society is built on you have no loyalties except to the cause the rules are very stringent and you kill anybody who gets in the way. All these things. It's a shame that it's all kind of coming in at the end and it wasn't peppered throughout more of the season. This is something we've talked about from the beginning where, you know, the the cheat sheet of how to reboot this season that we've talked about repeatedly does seem to come into play. But it's, it is a shame because there is so much here, not just with storyline, but with these actors as well. You know, Tony Bevel's character is, is menacing just by showing up. She's one of the few characters that I can even think of on Supernatural that just when they show up, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you're like, oh, this God, is, this here is we been, go. That's like Lucifer and Azazel kind well, of thing. And, and that's kind of the the genius behind introducing her the way they did, not only in the season finale where she caps Sam, which nobody yeah. liked that, and also what she did to Sam in the first episode. It set the tone in a lot of ways. You know, I like that they bookended the season with her. She was MIA because, hey, sugar rather than vinegar. But then they realize, hey, let's bring her back. And she's already set the tone for the audience. The fan base don't like her. Yeah. So to bring her back at that capacity, I think works. It does wonders for the narrative and the feelings that the writers Mm -hmm. want us to have when when we see her on screen. Yeah, it was no mistake that they gave her a non-consensual sex scene, air quotes, with Sam. Yeah. They're purposely trying to make us dislike her. Yeah, I agree. And it's worked. You know, she is a terrible person in so many ways. She's hot, though. Well, she is you hot. Know, okay. In a sweater vest kind of way. She doesn't need consent from me. Uh, I'm just going to say. I don't think many people do from you. <laughs> no. That's true. That's very true. 
All right, guys. I think we're gonna take. Did you say that like you know firsthand? <laughs> Ryan's like, it's it's true. Don't worry about it's... it. He doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I roofied oh his wine. All right. All right. We're gonna take a quick break. Let Ryan get some steam out. Jesus Christ! And we'll come back in just a few minutes. <laughs> Watch the girls while the girls watch the boys or watch the girls go by. What are you looking at, nerd? Huh? I thought I was looking at my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. <laughs> Geek Out Saturday. I've never been a fan of Superman because I was never a fan of that overpowered character. Oh, well, I'll shoot you then. Nope, I'm bulletproof. Well, then I'll cut you. Can't. You don't need an entire three-episode arc to give characters closure. There's little things that they're doing to give us that finale-ishness. That we, that's not even a word, but I just made it. <laughs> that's so cool, like, just to get that insight. And I think that's what makes this movie special for me. Right. Is that we have the Batman I grew up with. The Joker I grew up with. Shot him when we go to cons because yeah. he will chase after actors. Like, no, not if you're representing the show. If I'm you're like, representing uh... the show, do not chase after these people, please. <laughs> exactly. Catch up on your favorite Rayman digital geek shows every Saturday. DC on CW, Back to Tank, Weird West Radio, The Crossroads, and more. Geek Out Saturday on Rayman Channel 001. Listen from the Rayman digital app or tune in. Just search RM Channel 001. Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural, The Crossroads. All right, so the big element in the very, very, very beginning of this episode was the sad death of Eileen, a fan favorite, as she has been seen a couple of times from season 11, but she was starting to seem seemingly to develop a relationship with Sam. A lot well, of people were fans of that. Let's quote on, you know, we'll air quote a relationship because it wasn't never... Really it was. was it was you know very much at the very least implied there was not anything concrete you're correct yeah but there it was no seem- insertion <laughs> give you a break and you're still just yeah dude that's just not gonna change pumped up and ready to go that's- you cannot work out and and then come into the studio that's not gonna do that's <laughs> I, that's never gonna change thomas i don't know why that catches you off guard every time i say something like that i it's not so much that i'm shocked that you said it i'm just shocked this at reminds how me of a parable you can pull it up if a tree falls over in the woods and no one's there to witness it or hear it does it happen no the thing is i just it's the consistency that always amazes me yeah well that's 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 why people remember me now the the fact of the matter is the fact of the matter is like the thing it is his go-to but he has a valid point thomas yeah The, the thing with eileen like I don't know if I just didn't like. I never really connected with the character, but I like. I was just like, okay, she's gone. Like, it, I think it would have been more impactful if it were either like Garth, yeah. or you know, just like that would have really like. I it been it like, was oh. kind of. You, it was kind of a shame because she hadn't been on the show too much, hadn't yeah. had a whole lot of development yet, and then she's already gone. I liked her. I did and too. I thought there was a lot of potential behind her character, uh, a hunter who was kind of solo. She was rogue. She wasn't necessarily trained up in the ways of the hunting lifestyle, but she managed to stumble her way into it and became a very um, capable, capable hunter. hunter. And her story is a lot like Sam and Dean's, like a lot of hunters. It, it stemmed from tragedy and they become hunters. So I liked her story and I liked her backstory. And yes, I'm sad to see her go. However, the show is not about her. It's never no. been about yep. her. Um, there was never any established relationship. Was there a liking 
obviously there was. I do believe Jared, or not Jared, but um, let's hope Jared did it. Um, <laughs> definitely, there was a connection that they were trying to establish between the two of them. And I'm hoping they do um, manage to resolve that a bit. Like Sam does need to show a little bit more uh, feelings behind the death of her. But at the same time, I know some people were a little vocal about that. Like, hey, you killed a character and then Sam, who was falling in love with her, didn't really react to it. And again, I don't know, I don't know if Sam, it was that far. Falling in love is a strong, strong That's use. A strong That's a strong word. word. Uh, did he like her? Would he eventually maybe develop a relationship with her? I think that was the point. But also his mother was taken. There was a lot more at risk than just Eileen's death. Well, not a just A girl that. that he knew in passing. His mother, the Nephilim is at large. The possibility of losing a longtime friend, Castiel, I think that supersedes a, yeah. a, a random hunter that they only had a few choice encounters with. And not just that, you have to look at it in the context of his other relationships and how much he's been through. You know, Jess, exactly. Jess was a monumental loss to him. So many other people, bigger people have died. Jess was huge. From the very first pilot episode, that always affected him until the end of season five was really, that was still an element. Mm-hmm. Um I can never remember her name, but the girl from Heart was the first time he felt anything for anybody, and then it's immediately ripped away and reminds him that he might be a monster himself. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot of loss and death, and it's been over a decade. He might just be a little calloused, and while it definitely looked like there was, a, uh, like Mike said, some relationship poss- possibilities, or at least they very much like each other, then again, relationship, and anybody here who's been in a relationship can attest to this, relationship doesn't mean love automatically it means you have interest in them in more than just a friend capacity but that it it was too early for anything to be concrete so i understand the loss the the sadness behind her loss because it is a loss of potential she is an interesting unique hunter with a unique set of drawbacks which makes her have to think differently and act differently and hunt differently so there is, you know, that I element of Charlie this would have been nice to far, see. Uh, yeah. Charlie loss. was a bigger loss yeah. by far. Yeah. So it is a shame, but I mean, this show has never been about the relationships between Sam Dean and other characters in a romantic setting. It's about the brothers' relationships and what they have to do in this <laughs> world to a greater whole. And I'm not trying to say that compiled tragedy, you know, dictates that you don't feel more sadness. Uh, I'm just saying that there's a lot more going on. And when you think about it, put yourself in the minds of the writers and what they're trying to convey uh, with Sam and Dean. And there is so much and they're so overwhelmed. And look at the last 12 years of their life. Yes, another death is just as tragic as the next. Just especially with Sam. We already know Sam takes everything personal. Everything. And yes, it's going to affect him, but I think it's going to affect him later. Um. Again, he's a soldier, and at wartime, you don't sit and cry. Well, it's like you what said. What do you do? You go out and start fighting the bad guys, yep. and you yeah. mourn the loss of your comrades later. Later, and it, it will happen. It's like you said. There's. It's not just Eileen though. This is seven hunters in three weeks. Yeah. This is moms at there's risk. This is people. Castiel's at risk. Yeah. This is everyone themselves. You know, it, this. Unlike how I felt towards the them being in solitary confinement prison and that kind of being like worse than hell this i didn't see as a jarring disconnect this seemed to be like mike said you you deal with the grief later right now it comes the anger yep. and having to do something about it so i didn't 
it's it sucked, but I don't see it as a bad move necessarily. And you know what? And it was I a didn't... good. It was a dickhead way to do it, though, as far as the British Mental Letters strategy was. And I, I, from a tactical standpoint, her death scene I thought was riveting as hell. I mean, I know some people want to complain that it wasn't, you know, didn't give her her just, but I felt from a story standpoint, I mean. Again, and I said we say this a lot in a lot of our shows. Writing is half the battle, but television is a visual and auditory medium as well. And all these items have to be utilized correctly in order to propel the story along. And I felt the way they opened the story with the use of the sound design where she was running and when she would turn around, there was a void of sound. Again, yeah, I love that. It was awesome. Yeah, it was so good. The fact that they, they integrated her handicap into the technical um, aspect of the opening of the teaser where they use that as a way to convey horror. Can you imagine not being able to see or hear Fuck that. what is chasing after you? That, that is fucking terrifying. Yeah. This is horror. This isn't ribbons and balloons. It's not an action movie where they're just going to blow it away from 20 I'm feet. I'm just saying this isn't a happy thing. Yeah, you're supposed to be unsettled. You're supposed to be unhappy. She died. She got tore apart by a hellhound. That is a horrible way to go. I mean, she we've got, seen that happen repeatedly. She got annihilated. Like, I I hate to, to like not. I'm not really joking about, it, but like when she's on the ground and yeah. just it was getting, brutal. Yeah, it's, it's tough oh, yeah. to watch. And, and you know what? And people again, I I saw this on. And I'm not when I say people, I'm not specifically thinking of anybody because I go and hit on hashtags. And there were a lot of people complaining, saying yet again, supernatural writers being sexist, which is odd since you know a female writer wrote this. And I don't think it's sexist. And I know I say this a lot. And, and believe me, I will say when something is sexist, I don't I don't shy away from that word in the least. Um, however, you got to remember the genre that we're writing in. This show is a horror TV show. Okay. And the horror genre is sexist by design. It is sexist. Well, honestly, I feel like, and I'm not saying it's sexist because the writers are oblivious and they're just assholes. When you make horrific deaths and whether it be a female or a male, I mean, there's a certain amount of callousness that goes with death. That is horror. That is what you're watching. You're watching a horror television show. But here's the thing. I honestly feel like this is, the opposite of sexist for how they dealt with her death and i kind of argued this with charlie as well does it suck yes are we unhappy because there was loss of potential for future episodes with an interesting character yes however if it was sexist as traditional horror goes she would have been caught with her tits out running down oh. the sh- down the woods <laughs> no that's also exploitation that's and exploitation horror, and horror and, and but that's, that's what it's usually is but she no. wasn't doing that it's, she was with a gun in hand like dean says he's going to go down she went out like a hunter she went out like a hunter she went down fighting and she got killed but the thing is that's no different than how a male hunter would have been killed guts claws Gunfire, the whole well, thing. Like he's a fox. We even get to know the guy. At least <laughs> he hit his head on the fucking rock. <laughs> at least, hey, at least she didn't get Camp Crystal Lake, and she's like, "I'm gonna go have sex with this guy." Oh, oh, oh. St- Jesus! And then she goes off and has sex, but and that's then she dies. Saying. That's it, that's normally how it happens. It was though, not right? exploitive. It was the way a male hunter would have gone down Absolutely. swinging. Absolutely. So to me, it's the opposite. They did a good job, and it sucks because that's why the British men others are dickheads because. She already, unfortunately, due to her handicap, is down one sense, and they take yeah. the other primary sense away. You knew they that was planned, and, and people, you and know, point up. that the writers are, you know, it's being it's the, the irony of it, and and obviously that's that's what they're going for. 
you know, that's they're doing it purposefully. Well, it's the and, best and, tool to use against her. And, frankly. you know, it is. And I know it's hard to swallow sometimes when you like characters. Believe me, I suffer with this all the time with with characters I like in TV shows that die. But then I look at it from an from a writing standpoint and I'm like, you know what? She served her point. She served her purpose. She's mm-hmm. not she's not. We already have. We already have our, our characters. We have or we have Sam. We have Dean. We have Crowley. We have Castiel. We have Rowena. We have Kim Rhodes' character. I uh, always forget her name. Sheriff Mills. We have Sheriff Donna. We have Claire. Yep. We have Alex. We Those are, are the bulk of what makes up the cast overall of Supernatural and our ongoing guest spots. I, I don't really yeah. think, even though I like Eileen, I would have loved for her to stay around. Eh, she died. She died. Like it sucks, but that's the life. That's and also it's the TV show. I'm like yep. you, yeah. you can't, you just can't keep building up these characters, and, and and you can't start collecting characters like it's a hobby. Yeah, these, this are, these are not they're, act- not they're not coin collections. Yeah, they're not know? action figures, man. You're not they're not going to gain value the more you collect them. I I just think, I think for me, like she, like you said, Mike, she served her purpose. I don't think she needed to be you know paraded around and and you know kept for such a long time. She served her purpose for what she was brought in for. She now, has, if Mary Winchester dies, I'm going to riot. Uh, I'm not. I think I'll be okay with that, too. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. See you later. I, you I honestly, wait a sec. Wait, yeah, I will, hold, not, I will hold, not have a problem with it. Hold on. Okay, you you say things for shock value, and sometimes I put no value in what you say. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Thomas, though, just said, yeah. Yeah. I, you, you want Mary Winchester I to die? I don't want Mary I don't, Winchester oh, okay, to okay. die. No, I, I see. I, I, I'm 50-50 on it. I think if she dies, it makes sense. If she dies, it would be completely worthless that they brought her back this year. It would be horrible writing. It's, it's going that route. No. I think so. I have to have faith I think she that does. they won't do that. I think she does. I think she could die eventually. I think she I does. said, but I, I think for you to bring her back yeah. for one season and then, oh, you're dead now. Again. I, I think it's terrible. It would. Be, I agree. It would be terrible. However, especially I, since they didn't utilize her enough this year. What I'm saying is not that I'm gonna riot if she dies. What I'm saying is I want her to be well written into the show. But like Crowley and Cass, I don't want her to fall into a spot where, well, she's too major to kill off now. No, no. I want that threat to remain because I'm okay with that so long as it's done properly. I think it's time to clean house. And I know I'm gonna take We've a lot. Said that I, a lot I, I'm gonna take a lot of flack for this, but hey, let's if we're not gonna end the show yet okay which we still don't know if next year is the last season then we need to start cleaning the house yeah get rid of crowley even though i love him get rid of castile even though i love him, and make way for new characters that can breathe new life into the show i mean they and weren't if, always and think, around and i think mary would be a great addition to the show and make a lot of sense you know it's the whole family thing it's staying true not that family means blood but still but the fact of the matter is is they've they've proven time and time again that at least for what we've seen of mary so far is that she doesn't Really, she's not clinging into the family life. It's that doesn't mean that much to her anymore. I, I think that was the opposite. By the end of last episode, she realized that's what she wants, and that she's running for no reason. Well, she's running from a fear that just she's that she doesn't need. She's running from a fear, and now she's brainwashed into <laughs> hating her family. So you know, it's a mixed bag. It's she not going to end well for her, but I don't think they're going to. She's going to. The be thing killed. is, while we understand from a writing standpoint what they were intending to do with Mary, a lot of fans can't get over the fact that she doesn't feel like part of the group to the same degree that others have throughout the show, all the way back to season one with Bobby even showing up in the last episode. So there is a bit of a disconnect. For me, It's it all comes down to, will it re- be relevant to the story? And I agree with you, Mike. We've said this for the last... I've said this since season 10. Castiel, I love him, but I think he needs to go at a certain oh. point here. I, re- I still stand... But what's stand- going to do if he's not on Supernatural? 
Dude, he's a good actor. He's a, I still stand the by the statement that I thought Dean with the mark of Kane at the end of season 10 killing him would have been poignant, painful, great character development, a, a good send off that's tragic. I, I still stand by that. So while he has been around for the last two years, I think between that ominous tweet, you know, someone's going to eat it here pretty fucking soon. Yeah, the, the, the show only needs Sam and Dane. And, and that's and the, the fact grand, we have to remember as fans. And that's what the writers try to do every year. I mean, they tried to do that this year. If you, you know, if you look at everything in all the evidence, I mean, at every look at all the episodes, how many times were they actually with somebody? They were pretty much this them yeah, throughout the entire season because they're trying to refocus the show on Sam and Dean, even though they've been window dressing for the the main narrative this season, it has been them though. So it's weird because for me, it's felt like I I remember season one going into season two when they had the Roadhouse and there's other hunters at this bar. I'm like, holy shit, there's other people that do this. Yeah, watching that. No, I'm serious. I thought they were like this small group that like. It was just their uh, dad like and him. Group. There yeah. wasn't many. I didn't realize there was this like network of hunters. And Thomas that's kind felt of the... like that when he realized he found a group online for his fetish that he likes. Right. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. There's people that like there to suck are, on toes too. There are other people who like pink ponies. Oh my god. Exactly. Pink pony dick. Wow. Oh jeez. Like to dress Christ. up as a pink pony and screw each other. There's people that like. Pink socking? I mean, all this right, is amazing. All right. All right. Wow. What is the fucking two of you tonight? I swear to God. <laughs> Nobody knows a pink socking. This is okay. Everyone can Google. No, Mike, no, do Googling. not Google don't, that. No do one not Googles. Google that. Do not Google that, please. I'm Googling it right oh, now. Thomas, why would you say that? Please, You people, started this. Do you not. You fucking started this. Move <laughs> Whatever on. you do, do not Google <laughs> that. Don't even tell him. Don't did even tell him what it is. Did you just Google he, it, right? I'm sure he did. Urban Dictionary. I uh, love that place. Oh, oh, anyway, don't. moving on. That's I was amazing. trying to make fun of Thomas, and you turned it into something vicious towards hilarious. the audience. It's hilarious. The big thing that we learned from the death of Eileen through the Hellhound was that Crowley has a relationship with the British Men of Letters. Now, this is something that fans have had questions about for a while now. If the British Men of Letters have done such a good job of eliminating monsters from london in the uk does that include demons and as we find out crowley ever the the deal maker has made a deal with dr was it hess dr hess dr hess to where essentially if they can convince someone to make a deal they've got free reign which shows that the british men of letters are not just cleaning house of monsters in england and america but even they're cleaning house of their own what they consider stupid people they have they are so elitist so we are better than everybody else. It even degrades into that. And Crowley has made a deal to in keep his team alive, keep demons and deals going in the UK, which I liked that bit because it made sense to his character and it kind of solved it that does. whole, well then wait a minute, what about demons in England and Ireland and things right. like that? It, it did take me a bit off guard. I think they could have done, uh, I mean, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, have they shown have they shown us at all any connection with Crowley and the men of letters up until now? No, like he, I don't like, believe so. I, I mean, like he even knew of them, the British men of letters. No, I don't think they've yeah, seen th- anything. That was my only little yeah. issue was like, they dropped something on us like that. I'm like, they could have, I mean the whole, the fact that they were after the, maybe that's how they found out where the cult was at. You it know? might have been because he mean, knew, obviously. And that would actually fix the connection for me, would be that. And that would actually make sense because how would they know? And that if that's the case, then that works. But they definitely need to let us know. They need to build on that a bit more. 
uh, for it to be believable because it almost feels for me, it was my only gripe with this episode really overall was that I'm like, I love Crowley, but they keep giving him these things to hold on a lifeline. And that to me was a lifeline. It is. And it sadly is, but like you said, if they connected to the cult or if that's kind of why I'll be a little bit more okay with it. And it still did make sense to what he does. I mean, we saw that in season or in this episode, episode seven. Yeah. When they're in LA, he's like, this is my town. And that's how he has connections to find out where Lucifer is. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. But it does. It's a little like, well, hold on. When did you come up with that? Yeah. And it did make sense though, about with the UK connection. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people were asking that like, well, what does that mean? This whole monster free in the UK since what? 1966. Something like that. Uh, So having, you know, making that little connection there does fix that a bit. You know, so that in that regard, I did like that. Well, it also kind of leads into the possibilities of how the fuck he was able to what enchant. Yes. The body of Lucifer. Yes. Vessel. I agree. Because this is something the cage is magic beyond him. We know this. We it's had God Rowena, magic. It's God level magic. It had Metatron said as much. Rowena had to use the spell from the Book of the Dam just to get a fucking, you know, conjugal visit going on through the little mini cage. So this is not something within his wheelhouse, nor do I have I ever believed that the low D list demons have the ability to figure this shit out. Yes, we know that they were instrumental in making it happen, but this the British Mental Letters connection explains why he's able to do it it also kind of at first i was kind of mad and i'm like this doesn't even make sense why is this a connection that can reverse polarities and go different ways to where lucifer can control crowley i didn't understand that that seemed like a serious design flaw unless you are the british men letters and want it to backfire on somebody because you don't really give a shit about either one and you have a master key to both yeah, I'm I'm willing to bet there'll be that connection down the road. Uh, the fact that we now that we know that there is a relationship there between the Men of Letters and Crowley, I'm willing to bet that we'll see something more on that within the next couple episodes, leading to the fact that they're the ones who helped cage Lucifer because Dr. Hess knew of the Nephilim and they said that they're with their mutual problem, I believe was the word they 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 use yes. That, yeah yes uh, about the nephilim we already know that then she is aware of the nephilim and that she could also be working behind the scenes with crowley to capture and confine lucifer so that connection does make sense in that regard because that was something that i was questioning i'm like come on really you have demons out there that smart that has been able to yeah. reverse engineer the god level magic yep. And be able to make his very vessel a prison. That seems like British Men of Letter stuff. Uh, or Zazel at the very least. So if they are now going to be drawing those connections, I think that makes sense. And I think it's a good move for the writers to do that. Even if it's an afterthought. Like, uh, you know, if they, in retrospect, like, yeah, maybe that didn't work out on paper. It sounded great. But now that we saw it on TV and produced, we're like, all right, let's well, fix this. And that very well may be the case. It, it sounds... But then also to you know to play devil's advocate, but uh, it sounds like to me it sounds like that they're almost forced. It's like oh you know there's a connection there. Why don't we just go ahead and use like you said like an afterthought? Sometimes you know that does work out. Sometimes it makes it look like you're really kind of stressing out to to make that connection. Right. Um. So I I didn't mind it so much. I thought it was interesting. I mean like like you said we've never seen Crowley uh, have anything to do with the British Mental Letter. So it was it was kind of an interesting thing for me. You yeah. know, but at the same time, it, if it was an afterthought, it was like, oh, kind of just threw it in there, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. He's now free, though. That's kind of the big element of this story element with Lucifer is now. And I, I couldn't help but laugh. I did when he's subtly making Crowley his little puppet. Yeah, it's because Mark Pellegrino is an amazing actor. The two of them back and forth yeah. with his whole like oh, doing the, the face and then Mark Shepard just does the same cheeky face yeah. and doesn't even realize it and he just keeps doesn't miss a beat, doesn't chuckle yep. like I love that bit. I'm like okay, these are like the two evil characters yeah. and they're being like the stooges but it worked because they it was are, fun. It's fun to watch. <laughs> fucking good. And that's definitely the highlight whenever you have Mark Pellegrino in a scene and you have Mark Shepard in a scene, you know they're going to deliver. And when you put them together in a scene, it's going to be good. Even if you're on the fence about the story, uh, the least you can do is enjoy these two actors working side by side for a funny scene that works. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. But now he is free, and we have what seemed to be a setup for you know Crowley's death. And this is where I've seen a couple of fans' reaction has been kind of negative, because he stabs Crowley's obviously lifeless body because there's no spark and fire as we've seen time and time again right. whenever a demon is killed with an angel blade so and and it's very obvious that crowley jumped into the rat yes, right next to him they make that pretty damn obvious. they make that pretty damn obvious but there was a lot of people who thought he died but there were people who thought Are you he serious? died and i'm like yeah i'm dead serious shut up there's just it just even from a writing standpoint it would make no sense if crowley's going to die he's going to die where Sam Dean, and, Dean are gonna be involved. and Sam can witness it. Uh, when you write something like that, a death has no meaning unless it's from the perspective of our leads. And a character, not all deaths, like for example, Eileen's death worked in that regard. Okay? Yeah. Because it was supposed to be a surprise to the, the Winchesters. Right. But when you have a character like Crowley and the way he's been written since day one, he's an integral part of the Winchester storyline at this point. You're not going to have him die out of sight, out of mind from Dean and Sam. When he bites it, it's going to be in the middle of it all. Yeah. And so that's the reason why I knew he was. I was like, I was on the edge of my seat. I'm not going to lie. That scene, the scene. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. It was directed well. The the whole entire uh, the 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 foreplay between Lucifer and Crowley, (laughs) like just him fucking with Crowley. I was yeah. like, dude, he's going to fucking die because the music was just yep. spot on. The sound design was spot on. I was believing it. Uh, and then I kept thinking, though, the writer to me is like, no, it's not going to happen right here. It's that just not going to happen. Um, I, I just can't believe that people actually thought he died. Like, I, I'm still flabbergasted by that. Like, you got to remember, a lot of people just watch the show. They're not sitting there like nerds like us. Like, oh, my God. Well, like, okay. Writing 101 uh, dictates that this would never happen. <laughs> well, writing 101 shows <laughs> why the hell would they show this? Right why the hell would they show this random rat for no reason? Like, come on. Uh, come on, people. You know, there was someone who was like, what was that rat about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they showed that for a reason. Come on, but people. The, the only problem God. I had with this scene, the only problem. Okay, besides, first off, Lucifer is not that dumb. No. That he thinks yeah, he killed exactly. him. Secondly, we've seen Crowley fake his death before. Yeah. In yeah, season six, he completely like burned his body up and he disappeared. Do you remember that? When he, when he was trying to fool the Winchesters that Castiel had killed him in season six? I don't remember. He, uh, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. He was MIA for like seven episodes. And I remember, oh, Mark Shepard's dead. I remember yeah. being bothered by it. And because he, they really fooled you. And then you realize they, the, the Winchesters realize that you have to, that Castile did not burn his real bones. Um, 
So we've seen him completely fake his death. So if he could fake his death like that for the Winchesters, why wouldn't he do something like that for mm-hmm. Lucifer? So that's the only thing that took me out of it. Because the first thing I thought about was the fake death scene. Yeah. And, and again, I understand for season six, the narrative dictated that. Uh, the way Sarah Gamble's writing was writing the entire season was made for that setup and reveal right to have that type of setup to where it would work and to where it wouldn't feel contrived and then in retrospect looking back at this episode if they were to do that it would feel contrived because the season wasn't set up for a fake death where Castiel is the villain if that you know like it was in season six so that scenario worked for season six but, but they, I don't think that scenario would work for the current season we're in, and that's why you just make another decision. And that, exactly, <laughs> as a writer, that's you just say we're not going to do it. We're not going to do gonna it. Work. There's got to be some other way. We can block this better to where he doesn't see his face, so maybe he thinks that he killed him. But yeah. I mean, his body's already kind of lifeless just on don't the ground. Kill him yet? Yeah, just, just do something else because yeah. now that doesn't have as much weight. And it, it'll be kind of, we're not going to buy it as much if and when it does happen. It stupefies, uh, or dumbifies uh, Lucifer a bit, too. I'm like, yeah, eh, it's, it's a bit, yeah, they've been doesn't that work. Lot. That's the only thing I, I, I really kind of scratched my head a bit in this episode. No, I agree. But I, I, I got to say this, though, because I can't be the only one that thought it. The end shot with Lucifer on the mountains I thought it was a commercial. I'm thinking Simba, dude. I'm like, I thought it was a commercial. I thought we went to break. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Abisyama. And he's just like, I have expected. <laughs> you really do need the Lion King music to play, though, when that scene hits. That's for Crowley's death scene. Ouch. But then I really did think Simba was like, all of that the light touches will be your kingdom, my son. <laughs> That's what he fucking, he's like, he's exactly I, the probably, same. That was probably intentional. It's, I, that I seemed it, a little it, out of place to it me. It was there to give you the whole, like, freedom and the sky's the limit and open range yeah, cool. and they the future's bright for Lucifer. It was, they, <laughs> they, they, were been try- wearing shades. they were trying to be a bit cynical about it and kind of sarcastic. I think that was the point. I hope so, because it was interesting. It, it was a little odd. It felt off to me. Yeah. Obviously, it, it did. And I think it was intentional. I don't think, why would they cut to a scene like that? I think they were being funny. Yeah. I hope so, because it looked weird, if not. But the last little bit we'll kind of get into here. Mary Winchester's brainwashing was successful, and she betrays the boys. She, unfortunately has little to no emotion is completely on the British mental letter side. It's yet to be seen if it can be reversed in any way or if it's permanent. I don't believe it's permanent. I don't think they would have that happen unless that was like the season finale element that mom's gone to the dark side, but it's still depressing because it fits into a lot of that idea of abandonment that Dean particularly is going through this season between Castiel's no show and Mary coming back only to immediately leave, that has been a central issue for him this season. And that did not help in any way. And it, it is kind of sad to see. I don't... It, it's kind of tough, and this is where I see some fans having gripes with Mary, because I don't see John in the same situation. Now, no, yes, he, he Wait, did... Wait, hold, hold on. You'll see John being brainwashed? Not exactly. You think he has like manpower to resist that? But in season one, I'm a he man. Gets, in season one, I he gets resist. possessed by Azazel, and he can keep him at bay just long enough to get a message okay. across. All right, hold on. And a I would argue, hold on. There's a big difference. 
between demonic possession and chemical possession. And yes, I know, but one, I would like to think that demonic would be more powerful. But it it, it is. But it, there's a difference. And if you look at it in a romantic sense, the will to break free will win over demonic possession. That's been a kind of a That's thing. That's true. I you, can see where you're going with But when this. you're going with chemical, it's more reality-based. You can't fake drugs. Yeah. No amount of free will can break free of the whole Because well, you don't know any better. Right. Of a, of a chem, of chemical control within the brain. Yeah, and that's Do why it is... you get that? You I get, it, no, I, I understand what they did, and I understand that whole bit, but... I'm John Winchester. Chemicals don't mean shit to me. <laughs> I've done so many drugs, I, I don't need to worry about chemicals, man. You it's, see all these dots in my arm, it, man? He's a heroin addict? Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm just making shit up. Now. MK Ultra, CIA don't have shit on me. <laughs> Wasn't he in the army? Maybe he was a test subject. Maybe. Philadelphia experiment, motherfuckers. I'm the original test Philadelphia subject. experiment. I don't know. I'm just making up all Dude, these. No, I know which up. one you're talking about. That's an actual thing. It's in submarine. Yeah. All these, uh, you know, conspiracy theories. Just throw them out there. Nine <laughs> Eleven. I was in the towers. <laughs> I survived. Survive. Why? What? It was an inside job. Oh god. <laughs> uh, no. What, I, you what, know what's what? another conspiracy theory? John we, we landed on the moon. Anything. We landed on the moon. John Winchester. Oh, John Winchester. I didn't need a shuttle. I was on the moon. <laughs> I just jumped. James Cameron showed me on the moon. What were you uh, going to say, Ryan? Thomas, I just love a pair of John, dude. You know what? John the- is stronger than chemicals. <laughs> when the fuck? He would never fail. <laughs> when the fuck have I been in love with John Winchester? Anyway. That's the way you said it. I, I failed to see that John Winchester would ever be controlled by chemicals. I didn't say chemicals. I failed to see. I said I have a harder time believing it. I because actually, of the character uh, so that we with... have been portrayed that is John Winchester versus what we have seen of Mary Winchester and her decision making process. See, I, I was going to actually sort of agree with Thomas and, and not, not in the same fashion as far as like him resisting drugs or anything. But I think I think I don't think obviously not so much, you know, uh, the drug thing. But I think I don't think John would have been as swayed as Mary was, as joining the British Middle Letters in the first place. Yeah. I think John, I don't know if that was the thought you were going towards. It's half of the thought. But yeah. I truly believe that that John would have looked at that a little bit more objectively and not the way that Mary looked at it. I think John would have been like, why are these people trying to get me to join them? Okay, well, he would have he would have thought outside the box on this, this at least what we've seen of, of John being the way he's been portrayed and the way he's been brought up to us. We didn't know much about Mary. Okay, so we we didn't have much to go off of, but John, we have plenty to go off of. And I truly believe that he wouldn't have joined the British Men of Letters in the first place. But there's, it, but there's also a jaded nature behind John Winchester. Whereas I think that's with, part of it. It was Mary. I don't want to say she's naive, but she also wasn't jaded. She didn't have the death. The difference is uh, this. Like all, of all the family around her. Exactly. Y- it's who they became hunters with. Mary grew up as a hunter with a family and a network and unit that she could trust. So hunting has this kind of sacred bond that she believed at the time that even transgressed into the British Mental Letters. We are humans, therefore we are different. We're on the same Mm -hmm. side. John was a hunter on his own, learning on his own with nothing to go on other than my wife is dead and she was burst into flames on the roof and I lost everything. He has constantly been, like the American hunters are portrayed, untrusting I don't trust you just because of what you said. You're, you being a hunter means fuck all to me. What matters to me is we were in the shit together. We went through something together. And like the Winchester brothers, there is a bond beyond 
just you're a hunter. Right. Gordon right. was just a hunter. It didn't mean shit to them, you know. But Bobby is something else entirely. Castiel, Charlie are other people entirely because they've been through things together. So Mary's not exactly naive, but it was that what she had known during her time and the world has changed since then. And what I was saying with John is not that I believe he has the power to overcome drugs, but what I'm saying is, A, like Ryan did, I don't see him falling into the same trap of the British Mental Letters that Mary did, but also because of how he's been portrayed, I would almost feel like he'd... (laughs) You'd see him perhaps with a little bit more emotion because he was able to overcome Azazel. Now, I know what Mike said, that you have the desire to overcome the demon versus the chemicals that control you completely, which does help show how far off the reservation Mary's no. mental state is now because she has no control, which makes it all the sadder and shows how much more menacing the British mental letters tactics are. But it, 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 it just hurts all the more because we thought she was this great person and they had her on a pedestal. This is something we talked about over Helatus last year. And sadly, this brings her so far down from that. It's tough to watch not just as fans, but as, as friends slash, you know, fans of the brothers in their life, it's tough to watch this happen. I don't think Mary has made any bad decisions, honestly. Like, I feel like we've needed more of her this season. I don't think she's making the knucklehead decisions like Castiel has made. I no. think she's making decisions that legitimately seem okay with her. And who wouldn't be swayed by the men of letters? Hey, I got cool weapons that can kill monsters. You know, I don't think what she made, I think what she made was an error in judgment. That was it. I don't think she made a bad decision. You know, Sam and Dean are very different. And your entire, um, uh, your entire um, point you just made is, is exactly right. It's spot on. It's like Sam and Dean and John are cut from a different cloth because yeah. of life. The shit th- that happened to them. Exactly. And if Mary would have lived the life that they have, then she probably would have made a similar decision as Dean, because we already know that her and Dean are very similar. They've made a point to say that at the very yeah. beginning of the season. Yeah, and but that's that's just the sad fact is that we know that's how it would be. And Mary's only crime is that she wasn't alive to know that this is how things have gone now or to have a, such a jaded and violent hunter lifestyle growing up. But the sad fact is that some fans, I can, I'm not saying that this is how I feel 100%, but I'm saying I can see how some fans have a harder time empathizing with her character. I, I completely disagree. I, I don't get it. The only reason why the fans have a hard time empathizing with her is because the writers haven't given us enough of her. But if you look at it from her point of view and putting yourself in the perspective of her character and how she was written, she's gone through so much. She lost everything. We already talked about this at the beginning of the season. I I agree with you. I'm not saying that it's bad for her decision making as a character, but we don't have enough of her as a character for some people to believe it 100%. We can see more to it because we analyze the shit like crazy. But I think for the casual viewer, that's right. why we don't see enough Mary. So you're like, well, why is she doing this? There's, well, so you got to read a lot into it. I think it. it's just, it's going to be tragic for her. And I felt, it is. I, I, oh, felt, it is. I felt my connection to her, you know, to her character strengthening a lot. This episode, you know, specifically when Tony was taunting her with, you know, throwing her, throwing in the, her face that oh, she was, that was an absent mother. Up. And that she's abandoned them and that she left them with an abusive father, which I don't agree yeah. with that. Well, she's but still, <laughs> you left them with a father who was struggling. You know what I mean? That's not a good circumstance for any kids. 
you know, yeah, look at what they all went. Someone through. who resorted to a bottle because he couldn't cope with what was happening around him and didn't understand it and tried to do what he could as a father. I mean, it's not a good, it's not a good situation for any child. So, I mean, the fact that she was laying that on Mary, I mean, that's powerful. And I, I and being a parent, I can relate to that. You as a parent, when you're a parent, you if you're a good parent, you do feel guilt for everything. If you if you snap at your kid because you're tired. Rightfully, it's four in the morning. Yeah. What do you want? Like <laughs> I, 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 later in the day, I'm at the gym and I'm like, why did I say that? Like, why did I grouch at him? Who cares if I was tired? Yeah. When you have kids, the guilt is laid at your doorstep for everything, even if it's just normal human behavior. So the fact that they're utilizing that to play on Mary, to add more to her torture and to also ultimately take over her mind. I mean, I I felt it worked and it, and it actually made us feel a connection to Mary in a way that has been lacking the entire season because of what you were saying, Thomas. We haven't seen her. Right. You know. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of fans who have a lot of different opinions on this for the season as a whole, which I think is a big downside. And this kind of feeds back into we it feels like the British Men of Letters and the Mary story didn't get a whole lot of attention throughout the middle of this season. Again, this is kind of with our whole rebooting a season, reboot season element, a little more structure and a little more polish probably would have helped a lot of these ideas feel stronger or or be right. less murky throughout the whole run. And that's what we were saying off the air today is if if the the entire season felt as cohesive and I think these last few episodes people are just checking out, the people who are negative are just checking out because mm-hmm. the season as a whole hasn't been as tight as these last few episodes. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. these other episodes people are just kind of shrugging off is more the same, but it's not it's not the case. If if you look at the episodes as standalone episodes, they're pretty fucking strong. And and uh, unfortunately, you know, as we said last week, it's a little too late. You know, it's a little. What is it? What was the word we were using? It's a little too little. Too little, little too late. There yep. we go. Yeah, a little too late. Um, and, and I I'm hoping that people in retrospect will be able to go back and appreciate the season as a for what it is, and maybe on Netflix viewing on binge mode, maybe it's not as tedious to get through because you're watching back to back episodes. Who knows? Who knows? But I do know that the last several episodes have been, and I've talked to a lot of people online, a lot of people are feeling the same sentiment. It's like, hey, that these last few episodes have been pretty strong. If if the rest of the season has been like this, this would have been a pretty damn good season. Yeah. And then that is another sign that the structure was a little bit off because it's all kind of coming yep. together at the end where we needed more of this in the middle. We needed in the middle. Yep. But so we're going to... I like in the middle. What kind of sandwich is going on in there? We, uh, let's move into the. Yeah, we're going to move to some. Uh, do you want to do a couple Facebooks real quick? Just read, pick one or two. Yeah. And then we got to move on. So Sarah Plemons says, I thought it was a good episode. All these fans being so negative just makes me mad, but oh. everyone is allowed to their opinion. You know what they say? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. I have one. <laughs> I would hope so, or you don't poop and then you're not healthy. And I am one. No, that's true. She says, I am not one that is critical of the show. I watch for entertainment, and the boy is, although listening to your show has changed me a bit. Hmm. Is that good? Is that, is that bad? I hope, I hope, I hope that's good. Let's right? read the rest and see. Well, the scene with Marion Ketch was great, and hmm. the as was Eileen was killed was very violent. Uh, I'm sorry that she is gone. Crowley as a rat is perfect, and I... <laughs> That's true. I really thought that Lucy would be able to tell that he wasn't dead. Maybe he doesn't care. The snippets I've seen make me think Lady Bevel Lucy. will brainwash Dean into killing Mary because they've left her to die. She wants revenge. Just my thoughts. What are yours? 
there is a bit of the idea of will the brothers have to fight against their mom i know some people were talking about that on reddit and could God. that be a possibility that would fucking God. suck I, you know what there's a part of me that wants that right and there's a part of me that doesn't a part I'm, of you I'm wants very, it because it would be dramatic. The writer in me so says, yes, I want yes. it. And I want blood. Yeah. <laughs> but the fan of me, no, please don't happen. Yeah, that would that would suck. Now, this one here, I, I want to read from Sam uh, Samantha Leviton, because she's been a fan of season 12 as a whole, but was not mm-hmm. exactly a fan of this one. Mm-hmm. Back at the beginning of the season with Mary coming back to life, I thought, wouldn't it be neat to have a Supernatural episode titled There's Something About Mary? Fast forward a couple of months later, and here we are. Uh, the episode They probably thought the episode of the title before then, but regards to the episode itself, I always love a Lucifer and Crowley scene, so that was nice. But most of this episode, not so much. With the deaths of Eileen and Crowley, plus the whole brainwashing Mary, plus Mr. Ketch remaining at large, and Tony is stuck in the bunker with Sam and Dean, mm, all those on. elements she's not a fan of. Well, I can't. Uh, well, I can now see why some people stopped watching the show, but I'm not one of those people. I love season twelve, but episode twenty one is my number one least favorite episode oh. of the season. But I have good feelings that the season twelve finale will make up for it. Mm-hmm. Now we've mentioned at length Crowley's not actually dead, but I can. We've said that some she, people. She has said a retraction since then. Yeah, she. Some people she's posted some stuff. Okay, so she's redacted that. Yes. But I can see some people not liking this episode, we've said, as a result of the deaths and the unfortunate happenstance of Mary's character at Mm -hmm. this time. But I think, like Mike's keeps saying, as a writer, as that writing standpoint, it's good drama. You take your heroes and you put them at the lowest they can be before you get to the explosive third act in a movie. The TV show isn't that different from that. You know, they're trapped, they're alone. There's no cast, there's no Crowley, there's no mom coming to rescue. They have to figure it out on their own. And that's what happens right before the explosive end. So, we'll see what happens with that. But I think we're going to do quick thoughts. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this episode? Overall grade? Um, I, I like the episode. I think, um, overall, I, I thought, you know, Eileen's death to open the... I, was a little shocking. I, I when I saw her running, I didn't truly think she would die. I thought something was gonna, you know, something else was gonna happen. But I, I definitely didn't think she would die. That she was gonna lose her sense of smell. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna, she's gonna lose her eyesight and then smell. She's gonna be able to touch. That was it. Oh, Helen oh, Keller. Jesus. Helen Keller. Um, but I, I, I did not see. I honestly didn't see that coming. Um, to start the episode off, but it, I think it was purposeful. It made sense. I'm going to lose your sense of smell monster. I'm attacking you. <laughs> I'm going to attack your nervous system. Um, that one, that one kind of threw me off, but I, I, I thought the, um, the story overall was really well done. Um, the Lucifer and Crowley scenes are always really good. Um, you know, Mark Pellegrino and, and, uh, Mark Shepard together, um, really do steal the show. Um, the, the story with Mary has really been interesting to me. Like, I, I don't know if I'm like, like I said earlier, I, I, I don't know if I'm really going to care if she, if she does die. I, I think they haven't done enough of, of building her up. We don't have much to go off of. And we say this a lot, but we, we don't have much to go off of. And, you know, they haven't done much to give us, you know, uh, uh about her. So the more that I see, you know, her conflicted or, 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 or Lady Bevel, you know, brainwashing her, I, I don't know how to feel. 
And I think that's my biggest problem um, with this episode is that like, yeah, watching her betray the the boys, you know, the brothers kind of hurt. But at the same time, I'm like, well, what am I supposed to go off of? You know, I don't have much here to go off of. And, and the, what I know about the Campbells, they were dickholes to begin with anyway. Through and through. So I, I don't I don't know where I'm going with that. And I think that was kind of my biggest problem with this was like, okay, well, you know, she's probably not going to be that hard to manipulate anyway. So, you know, where where are we going with this? So I think my biggest thing for this one um, was my confusion with that. Um, as far as Crowley's, you know, air quotes, death, I mean, I knew he didn't die. Um, I knew that it was pretty much, you know, uh, when I saw the rat, I, I just, I, even me, you know, not being the film guy, and I was like, why would they show this rat? I don't no think reason. you need to be a film guy to understand no, that. No, like, you shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't be. But I, I looked at it, I'm like, that, that, okay, well, okay, obviously he jumped into the rat. Um, overall, I thought there were some cool shots of the episode. I, I did like the pacing. It wasn't bad. Um, but as far as, you know, this wasn't groundbreaking leading up into the, into the two part finale. So I'm going to give this one probably a B minus to be completely honest. B minus. All right. Mike, what about you? All right. I give this a B up a B. Um, and most of my likes and highlights come from the technical achievements of this mm-hmm. episode. I felt like the directing was spot on. Uh, the I don't know if it was on paper or not. Uh, it really is up in the air in terms of how these writers operate in the writing room, if they include everything in the script. But I mean, the choice, sound design, the score, everything that was utilized to open up the episode, and even the, the complete tone shift and ambient shift of the episode created a different feeling of supernatural that I haven't quite felt when the men of letters, you know, um, started marching towards the bunker and we're going to attack mode and the entire shift. It felt like a different show. And usually I'm against that in TV shows. I think you should always keep the vibe and essence of your show the same. It should feel like you're in the same world, but when you're dealing with a completely different type of enemy, like the men of letters who are not the go-to supernatural monster, but a very real, reality-based villain, uh, there has to be a change. There has to be. So from a technical standpoint, I think this episode was spot on. But it, everything about it, the visual effects were good, uh, the action sequences were fun, the the um, the go-to slow motion gave me a little 90s throwback from when I was a kid, and I loved John Woo flicks, you know, the old yeah. Hong Kong yep. action films. Also, uh, the general theme, and I don't know if this is Eugenie and Brad's dealing, but the overall you know, feeling and theme of supernatural. I, I'm I'm a fan of of writing symbolism and using narrative symbolism of the the whole non consent and the terror that follows in a lot of ways is the very core and essence of horror and even more specifically supernatural. Um, the horrors of your free will being stripped from you is a strong theme uh, that is used a lot in horror and supernatural specifically, and it's something that is that is very hard for many of us to even look at in a lot of ways, or even deal with, is something yeah. we'd rather not even think about. Uh, and I like the utilization of those things. And that's something that they used a lot in this episode, and they used a lot throughout the season. Whether or not, again, it's been cohesive enough for, for most audiences isn't the point. The fact that it's being utilized within the myth arc and within the very essence of Supernatural as a whole since day one, it works. It feels like Supernatural. The acting was spot on. Um, uh, the action sequences were good, as I was saying, and the sound design. That, those are the things that I liked. So I give this episode a B. All right. For myself, I'd give this episode a B as well. I liked a lot of the elements. I, Eileen's death was sad, but I thought it was, unfortunately, the violent 
end to a hunter that we kind of needed to see from the British Men of Letters. We kept hearing that they're doing terrible things, but and they kept having hunters die as a result of their actions, but we hadn't seen them deliberately go out and murder one, to my to my immediate knowledge at least. So I thought that was a good dark moment to see that. Um, I liked the tragedy that it was Mary Winchester losing control of her mind. I've always been a fan of psychological horror and not knowing what's real and what's fake and, and the desperation that comes from that hits home with me. I like that element to horror far more than I do the slasher elements. Um, the shootout scene, that was awesome. I love that. And it is nice to see Sam and Dean kind of get ready to fuck some people up, frankly. I'll admit, I did want Tony Bevel to get shot in the head, Pulp Fiction style, because you don't talk shit about their mom, frankly, and she's an evil bitch. So that's that's me. Oh, that's I think so aggressive. But I think true. that. But at the same time, her she every scene she was in made me angry <laughs> towards her, which meant she was well written as a villain yeah, because I, like I had genuine hate for this character. So that says something about how well they've done her role from the beginning of season twelve to now. She's only had a few appearances. And every time I'm like, oh, God, I hate her. So that, that works. Um, while Eileen's death was sad, it didn't feel like it missed the mark for me for what they are trying to do. Although it was a sad lack of potential. The biggest thing, honestly, for me was the Lucifer Crowley. While I love both of those characters and it was funny, it was a little hard to believe that that's how that would go down, that Lucifer wouldn't notice because normally the demons slip out in a much louder fashion from their was it the meat suits. So I had a little bit of a problem with that and it didn't really seem to go anywhere other than to let him escape. I would have liked to see a more violent escape or perhaps as we've talked about, unfortunately the death of Crowley would have been a good time with Lucifer escaping near the end of season 12. There's still two episodes, so who knows what could happen, but I would have liked to see some, things move forward rather than kind of stay in the same holding pattern we have seen for these characters so far overall for me i didn't hate anything about it but nothing about it really stood out as spectacular to me either so for me it's a b and i think guys we've been talking about this one for plenty long enough now at this point we've got two episodes left for the season finale of supernatural season 12 essentially we're i think the idea is we're going to go live talking about both episodes but it'll probably be I, on demand this separate is, this is, is what that what you want to do this is what we're gonna do let's make a decision right now oh um, my god on air decision i, I guys. say because ryan's actually roll. fucking here for I the finale s- i say we get rid of the video cast recording that we we're gonna do before the show next week okay i don't want to but we're gonna have to okay uh, and we start at six okay and, and we just go and we just go from there god that sounds sexual let's I, go <laughs> i mean lube up and get you I don't line. want to be in studio for five or six hours which if we were to do the video cast show as yeah. well yeah that we'll be, be in rough. studio that long and I, I'm gonna try to keep I would like to try to keep the show to about three hours but if, <laughs> if it was a true two-parter it would be a little harder than that or if it was a true two-part it'd be easier because yeah. you got to realize the story would be paced but from what I'm reading be. online it's actually just two episodes which means we're gonna have to do two full-on episodes uh, yeah so we're gonna figure it out i got a i got a lot of work to do yeah so, it's gonna be fun so either six way six o'clock next uh, pacific next standard Monday. time yeah what is that the 22nd yep I that's gonna so, be a yes. long ass day six o'clock that's an hour and a half earlier than we normally go live <sighs> so pay attention to that mark your calendars get your beer get your pizza Bro, get your I beer pizza get your wine energy drinks get your shine box 
Oh, jeez. Shine. <laughs> I'll bring my condoms. And then it's going to be, unfortunately, hilarious for us. But again, check out RainmanDigitalMedia.com. We have a list of upcoming ideas and upcoming episodes for both regular viewers and listeners and Patreon viewers as well. So with that, guys, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Stay tuned for the finale of Season 12 next week, and we'll see you all later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.